0: We have a no horses policy.
1: Have you ever boxed a kangaroo?
0: <laughs> you mean the the bat in Anastasia, the animated movie? <laughs> Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that should be an exquisite mouthful, not a bucket of slop. I'm Kelly Anakin. <laughs> and I'm
1: Tom Schneider.
0: We are properly married. I'll
1: organize you if you don't watch out. I
0: wish you would. My <laughs> life's kind of a disaster right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Look
0: at this apartment.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to be any help.
0: Uh, Well, that's too bad. <laughs> Welcome, cousins, yes. for the episode proper, Downton Abbey Series 4, Episode 3, UK style. Right. Thanks to everybody for your thoughtful responses once again regarding the uh, unfortunate assault that happens at the end of this episode. Right. Uh, but it's been a really interesting conversation. And it we has really been. appreciate all of you who have participated and everyone who has donated to our Anna's Allies Rain rape abuse incest national network mm-hmm. uh survivors fund you can still donate to that uh it's actually rain r a i n dot org backslash up yours downstairs. Yep. If you can donate to help support the people who support survivors of rape in America, that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But we are just really glad that we were able to do that, and I think you know it served a lot of needs that we had personally to sort of process that episode, right. and we're hearing from many people every day that you know they really needed to hear that get talked through, so yeah. Very happy that we were able to help.
1: Yes, as am I. And so so just to clarify, you know, we will still talk about that when it happens in the context of this episode, just...
0: We probably won't be crying as
1: much. As much. And, and we've all...
0: We've had a lot more and, conversations.
1: And this gives us the space to make all the jokes that we want to make in yes. the initial parts of the episode. Exactly.
0: So. But before we get into all that, yes. it is time for our Cousin of the Week. Ooh. We have a telegram from Cousin Madison who writes, Hello, Kelly and Tom. I wanted to thank you for your Up Yours Downstairs Extra. I had to pause it to write this note because I was so incredibly moved and tearing up. As I was listening to the podcast, I was transcribing article notes on sexual assaults and rape on university campuses. I am currently working on my MA thesis, which has a chapter on how women have to self-securitize themselves, leading to victim blaming on university campuses when really we should be working to create a culture of nonviolence. Susan Eric, a former law professor at Harvard University, would deem what happened to Anna as simple rape compared to What she deems as real rape Some of the characteristics of real rape Are the perpetrator is a stranger The act is committed in a public setting The victim shows signs of resistance Or of being overpowered Torn clothes, a bloodied face, bodily bruises Simple rapes are typically assaults where the survivor is raped in private settings and by people they know. Those who are survivors of simple rape are often made to provide proof of struggle, have a witness, or to ensure the sexual act was not consensual. Eric argues that simple rape is real rape, and of course I agree. Simple rape is also known as acquaintance rape or date rape, which is the most common form of rape. I paused when you began to talk about how our friends beg us not to tell anyone, and is there any wonder? Is there any wonder that women who have to fight in court or, in one case, hold up the panties they were wearing during the rape that were considered too sexy for their age? Or women who are told that they were just too drunk and regretted the night before don't want to come forward? In this way, I am glad that in Anna's situation she was raped by someone she knew, that fellows made it explicit that she was not asking for it because no woman asks for it, no matter if they flirt, get drunk, or wear sexy panties in particular i thought your point that if a privileged white girl doesn't get listened to who will get listened to i have also been doing a fair amount of research on rape that occurs within communities of color several studies have proven that women of color have to disproportionately prove that they weren't asking for it i recommend andrea smith's book conquest where she outlines how sexual violence was is used as a tool of colonization on indigenous peoples in america I also think it is important to point out that this show has already dealt with another rape. Lady Mary and the Turkish gentleman. While I definitely still laugh along with the idea of Mary having a killer vagina, I think that he did force himself on her. She said no, and he wore her down until she kind of said yes, which is not consent. The way they dealt with consent in that circumstance was pretty shady, and I wish they had talked about it more as Lady Mary, like many women who experience acquaintance rape, blamed herself. I have watched all this season, so I won't spoil how I felt about the way they dealt with the plot post-incident episode. But what I will say is how I felt when I watched the episode. I wanted them to deal with Anna and her healing process. I wanted them to deal with how her loved ones and friends supported her. As I said, no spoilers, but I might send you another email when this plotline has concluded to say whether or not I was pleased or displeased with the plot, because I have all of the feelings. Hmm. Okay, now I'm going to go listen to the rest of the episode and cry. Thank you both for providing such a wonderful, smart, and witty show, Cousin Madison. Yeah. And this is, you know, just one example of the many really awesome telegrams that we've received. Yeah, absolutely. Some of which we will be putting on the Tumblr. I swear you guys, (laughs) we're definitely going to get around to it. Sure. You know, some of you wrote in with very personal anecdotes and stories. So we'll Mm -hmm. definitely check with you before we put anything up on the Tumblr. Yeah. But you know, it's just been incredible that all of you have been so engaged and I, you know, there's the saying that, uh, never doubt that a group of highly committed people who say they do some stuff, <laughs> they can change the world. They basically. can change the world. Yeah. Uh, is what it came down to. but you know, there's, you know, a pretty reasonable amount of us out there and it just gives me some hope that, mm-hmm. Maybe sexual assault is a problem we won't have to be dealing with in the next thousand years. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we still have a lot of work to do. Clearly, But yeah. I mean, you know, you all are out there. You've got kids. You're teaching them culture of nonviolence. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really all we can do. Yeah. So congratulations, Cousin Madison, on your Cousin of the Week. Mm-hmm. And good luck with your thesis. Yeah. So let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> yes. The lighthearted, fun beginning. That's right. Uh, I don't know if everybody has this, but on our broadcast, mm-hmm. there's this weird drawing that comes up and it says that Masterpiece is is sponsored by Denise Hale in honor of...
1: Prentice Cobb Hale? Yeah. I think.
0: But it's a picture of Denise Hale? Right. And I'm like, shouldn't it be a picture of Prentice Cobb Hale?
1: Well, uh, Prentice is dead. They can't, they couldn't draw a picture <laughs> of him.
0: Is that like a, his soul lives in the drawing? <laughs> Are you afraid of the dark kind of thing or?
1: I, I, I don't have an answer
0: So we're getting still Linny voiceover Yeah And I'm like Linny face or get the fuck out
1: Well I I mean, I mean where
0: What happened to the inside Of the human heart man
1: Uh, You know
0: She's just wandering around somewhere I know Floating in a dimension Between and outside <laughs> Of time and space Yeah She's in like the TARDIS
1: Right And we can only the hear The heartis <laughs> And we can only hear her voice And yeah It's uh, You know I don't know
0: it's just—it's dis- very disappointing. It's, it's a bummer. Then we've got our, our commercials. Right. So we've got Ralph Lauren, right. right?
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: So, Tom, what does that ad say to you as a man?
1: <laughs> well, it's just... He talks about, like, he has a dream of it, and it all starts with a woman. A very thin, sad woman wearing expensive clothes. Like, that's what I don't understand about high-end fashion, is that everybody... The the sadder the model is, the more expensive the dress is. Right,
0: it's and very I, weird. Well, yeah, yeah. and on top of that, like all the clothes that they're wearing in this commercial, I'm like, you know, that's not what people like buy at Macy's. When they like, they want sheets, they want <laughs> yes. a polo shirt, they don't want these weird shoes and this dress that looks like it's from the Hunger Games. Yeah, like, that's not and, what they're about.
1: And yet, Ralph Lauren has all this money. So yeah, it's it's. I wonder if he believes
0: his own bullshit. <laughs> I, don't I can't. I think no. he's rich enough that somebody must have slapped him at some point.
1: Well, I don't think. I mean, I don't. I think it's been a scam from the beginning. You'll That's notice true. the only person who's ever smiling in a Ralph Lauren commercial is Ralph Lauren.
0: Indeed. Mm-hmm. Our friends at Viking River Cruises want to know uh, <laughs> what inspires the creation of a masterpiece, and I'm like, uh, alcohol, no, yeah, or maybe heroin. Oh, <laughs> not cocaine, because we've all read the works of Bret Easton Ellis and Jesus.
1: <laughs> uh, if we haven't. Stick with that.
0: Yeah, just don't. Yeah, just watch the movies. It's it's just yeah. better for everyone.
1: So if they're, I mean, so if what they're saying is that there's plenty of booze on this river cruise, then we're and I all mean, right. look,
0: they do want to show you all the old masters, which I do have a demonstrable
1: interest in doing. That's true. No, look, we're getting some Stockholm syndrome with the Viking river cruises. I, I
0: know, but look, we don't want to go on the Viking ri- r- rivers. Are smelly, Tom. Remember <laughs> all of our previous criticisms we're not going on a Viking river cruise, and you can't make make me that's fine. cousins <laughs> if we ever 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 get on this podcast and talk about how we have bought tickets to viking river cruises track us down uh we will need an intervention we're gonna need a bunch of you to fly to right. oakland and mm. talk us down
1: yeah yeah that's fine no i mean you're right it's just you know europe is nice like great
0: yeah but not on rivers okay Look, I was once dragged to a movie about the Volga River. No not the Volga, the other one.
1: The Danube?
0: No. It starts with a V.
1: The the Vistula?
0: No. Look, it was a frickin' river in Eastern Europe. Did I? Listen, I just went down a memory rabbit hole because this also might be I was supposed to see a thing about this river, but then like the theater didn't have that. and We wound up having to watch The Quiet Man starring John Wayne, <laughs> a.k.a. the worst movie ever. <laughs> it's Just me and my grandparents. I'm like, why is this happening? She needs to vote. Anyway. Right. Uh, River's bad. End of story. Yeah. So we do get a viewer discretion advisory, right. on this episode, which was surprisingly unhelpful.
1: Well, you know, I, I mean, what they couldn't give it away. Like.
0: They will in other instances. Well, yeah. like if, you, if like a, if a show has, I mean, they'll say that, but like it also will have like a you know a TVMA mm. and might like be like you know language, sex, violence, or whatever. Right, like you know, American Horror Story does that.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, But look, they don't have much practice with it at Masterpiece Classic. So...
0: (gasps) Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Every time in the credits that Lily James's name comes up, I get so excited because I think Lily Rabe (laughs) of American Horror Story is guesting on this episode, and then I remember it's just Lily James. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Lily Rabe's not coming through that door, Kelly.
0: I know, but wouldn't it be great if she did?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I think she'd be so good. I mean, there are a few things she wouldn't improve.
0: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Lily Rabe, she deserves all the awards.
1: She will get none of them.
0: It's true, despite the fact that her father is playwright David Rabe.
1: Yeah, well, playwright, Kelly. Fair point. <laughs> it's
0: not like he's Arthur Miller. Yeah, I was going
1: to say, this isn't the 60s. Anyway, uh, we see a whole convoy of old-timey cars pulling up to Downton Abbey. Various people are getting out. One of them tells his servant to see the housekeeper, who he believes is named Mrs. Hughes, so he knows something about the place.
0: Alfred looks like an idiot in this scene. <laughs> I mean, he looks like an idiot in every scene, to be right. fair. But he looks like it's his first day as footman.
1: <laughs> I heard they had the dumbest footman in three counties, but I didn't believe it until now.
0: <laughs> that <laughs> distinction is all that keep- that's keeping the estate
1: afloat. <laughs> They charge admission. (laughs) They're going to have a
0: contest (laughs) hosted by the uh, British equivalent of Jeff (laughs) Foxworthy called Are You Smarter Than Lord Grantham? (laughs) And somehow both Lord Grantham and Alfred are going to lose.
1: Oh, man. Uh, Around back by the servant's entrance, what appears to be the Beverly Hillbillies truck pulls up. It's just piled high with everything. The
0: dowager countess is strapped to the top <laughs> in a rocking chair saying, what is a y'all? <laughs> uh,
1: indoors, everybody's bustling around. The, the servant who we just saw at front drops something and Anna picks it up for him. He asks where Lord Gillingham's room is. Uh, Anna says there's a maid that has a list and they have a little, they have a little banter back and forth. Uh, and as he leaves, Anna uh, calls him Mr. Gillingham. Mm-hmm. So as we remember from Gosford Park, that's the deal.
0: Yep. And also from the uh, Dun Eagle episode.
1: Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How long it's been since then. <laughs> You're right. Upstairs, Lord Grantham and McGee are talking to a bland, rich dude who looks kind of like Carrie Elwes, like... If Carrie Elwes was like young and handsome, but also looked like the older bloated version of Carrie Elwes, like, it's it's very difficult to explain.
1: Yeah, is, like, it's not terrible, but. The
0: operative word here is bland.
1: (laughs) Yes, we'll stick with that.
0: I mean, Farina has more of a punch (laughs) than this guy. So they're talking to him about the train ride. And then he goes off to see Mrs. Jefferson, who Ooh. I don't think we ever meet. Right. Also, be aware. We introduced like six new characters in this episode. Yeah. So everybody just like, you know.
1: Strap in. Yeah.
0: Bolt some whiskey. Right. We're going to get through this like we get through everything <laughs> as a family. That's right. Don't make me turn this podcast around. <laughs> McG wants to know who Mr. Samson is and why he's in her house. Uh... Good question, McGee. Uh, right? Why were you not informed of? Like, wasn't she making the menus and assigning the rooms? I, anyway, yeah. uh, Lord Grantham says he sees him at White's now and then. Yes, and White's is the oldest and most exclusive gentleman's club in London, and therefore I must assume the gayest
1: <laughs> one would think. Yes, uh, it was founded in 1693, and it gained a reputation in the 18th century for being exclusive and for the often raffish behavior of its members. Notable current members, uh, Prince Charles, Prince William. Interestingly, David Cameron, Prime Minister, not a current member. He used to be. And his father, I believe, was... Yeah, his father used to be the chairman. But in 2008, he resigned over the club's refusal to admit women.
0: Oh, wow. Yes. Well done, David Cameron's father. Yeah. And also David Cameron. Yeah,
1: they still do not. They let Queen Elizabeth stop by once. And that's pretty much it. How
0: awkward would that be? I mean, mean, look, it's awkward to be a single-sex environment like that in today's right, day and right. age but like when prince charles does show up like how freaking awkward is
1: that yeah uh like give rose i would think so but they this you know that's how they do things it's it's the 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 tory club uh, yeah I do they
0: let camilla parker bowls in because she looks like a horse <laughs> and do they have a no horses policy because she could probably sneak right in <laughs> boom
1: yeah Take, Take
0: that, Camilla Parker Bowles, yeah. who I'm sure is a very nice person. <laughs> yeah,
1: as far as I can tell.
0: Look, I grew up in the 80s. I don't have a choice. This is how <laughs> right. we all feel about her.
1: Yeah. Uh, Beau Brummel, the noted like fashion icon of the 1700s, was a member there, and that's sort of where he became prominent.
0: I thought that was a pirate's name.
1: No, he was, he was a fop, like the sort of epitome of foppery. Interesting. In his time. And it's also famous for the members having made many bets over the years, all of which were recorded in the club book. And so you can scroll through and see that Lord so-and-so bet Lord so-and-so in the year 1750, like 10 pounds, that one of them would get married first or something like that.
0: Man, I'm so glad we invented TV. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that, you know, gambling appears to be a huge part of these clubs.
1: Yeah. Evidently. No, it it apparently does. This is where uh, a Lord Alvin Lee bet a friend 3,000 pounds as to which of two raindrops would first reach the bottom of a pane of the bow window.
0: How drunk were they? It
1: is not recorded whether he won the bet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that's the only interesting part.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, I know.
0: Oh, the rest of it doesn't count if you don't know who won.
1: Yeah. So that's that's the sort of things that are going on at Whites, and this is the sort of character that Lord Grantham has invited over.
0: Secondly, women, it seems to me we're not missing much. Let's just <laughs> burn the sucker to the ground and move on.
1: You're here, here.
0: Speaking of pirates, Lord Grantham asks McGee who a glamorous pirate standing over by the window is. Right. McGee says, Oh, don't you know this very obvious exposition I'm about to <laughs> share with you? He is Johnny Gillingham's son, uh, now Lord Gillingham, previous Anthony Foyle. Yes. Because once again, Julian Fellows cannot come up with another name because <laughs> we've already had an Anthony. Yeah. Now we have an Anthony.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this too. Or is he called Anthony as I well? I think, I think, I think he is either pronouncing it Antony. I think, I mean, the subtitles, I'm pretty confident showed it with the H. Yeah. But. Anyway. And Yeah, whatever. Point
0: being, really? There's, really, Baron Fellows? They don't
1: have that many names in England. They
0: do. They really do. They're okay. just not trying.
1: Fair enough. And I'd also like to say, no offense to Lord Gillingham, who's perfectly attractive, but like glamorous pirate?
0: No, he looks like a, you know what he looks like? He looks like an attractive hoggle. <laughs> from labyrinth that's what i think he looks like he's very short he's very swarthy which like he doesn't look bad but he just reminds me like if hoggle like made a wish on that magical peach (laughs) like hoggle's wish would be to look like lord gillingham but his name would be gilly like jack donaghy's great a moron friend in 30 rock (laughs) At any rate, Lord Grantham greets Gilly. Mary comes by and uh, Lord Grantham is like, oh, do you remember Gilly? And she's (laughs) like, I remember a very superior young man who found three little girls tiresome to deal with. And I'm like, have you met Britain?
1: (laughs) You're aware that your father's club doesn't allow girls.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, so that's all fun.
1: Yes. Yes. Across the room, Gregson is there with Edith, and he's feeling quite outnumbered by all of the old friends of the family that are there. Uh, but Edith says, don't worry, he'll really get to know Papa this time. Spoken
0: as someone who has no idea how to produce results. <laughs> right.
1: Branson sits down very uncomfortably with uh, some woman, uh, and she you know, uh, offers some sympathies regarding Sybil. And the Dowager Countess walks by and says to Lord Grantham that she's afraid Tom's small talk is very small indeed. He responds by saying that not everyone can be Oscar Wilde, which is about as much of a zinger as Lord Grantham ever gets. Uh, But of course, Dowager Countess gets the last word saying that's a relief.
0: Yeah. She'd be out of a job.
1: (laughs) She would be (laughs) like, that's her whole deal. Although Uh, I
0: do think, you know, Tom's small talk is very small indeed. Like mm, like low hanging fruit, Dowager countess, yeah, not well, impressed, no, could have been more cutting, you could have called him Branson, <laughs> like let's let's step it up, shall we
1: well, she's no she's she's given in on the Tom versus Branson thing, and', she's,
0: I know, but I liked when she would say Branson,
1: I know, baby, mm.
0: I'm writing a strongly worded telegram to Baron
1: Fellows. (laughs) That will get results.
0: No, it will not.
1: Yes. Uh, Lord Grantham announces to the room that they can all go up whenever and to gather in the drawing room at eight.
0: Downstairs, Carson tells Bates that he'll ring the gong shortly, and he complains to Mrs. Hughes that the ten guests only brought three maids and two valets between them, not like before the war.
1: Oh, really? Is it different from before the war? I hadn't heard that yet.
0: I don't want to alarm you, Tom. Yes. But on Downton Abbey, things are different now than they were before the war. What? Ten years prior. (laughs) They're very different. It's been ten years. Except everyone's flawless skin. (laughs) Mrs. Hughes says that most everybody...
1: It's the bracing Yorkshire air.
0: (laughs) Mrs. Hughes says that the guests are mostly easy. The Duchess of Yeovil, Yeovil is no trouble at all because uh, i assume she just wears sweatpants or <laughs> I guess. Like, there's no explanation of that uh and they don't know mr sampson or sir john bullock who was the bland
1: person right we we, we eventually discur- yeah, yeah. disturbed yeah we discurved. we did, we did discurve that
0: <laughs> is that like discover and deserve
1: i think discover and observe mhm yeah. okay but when discover- you discover something by observing it you discurve it <laughs> so mad at you right now
0: <laughs> anna happens by and mrs hughes asks her to look in on mrs jefferson the very much in demand mrs jefferson <laughs> yeah uh, they're in the chinese and i'm like they right. as in the jeffersons have they moved on
1: <laughs> to the chinese
0: well listen yeah very forward thinking <laughs> then mrs hughes tells edna that lady raven may need a helping hand who has said that she's not used to having a maid, but Mrs. Hughes doubts it. Right. And Edna says she isn't sure if he, she has time. Right. Are you not aware that this is what happens when there's a large house party? Like, everyone's yeah. got to pitch in and, like, yeah. work a little harder. And,
1: and that Mrs. Hughes is your boss?
0: Yeah. Witches don't have bosses, Tom. <laughs> they have covens that are uh, operated by a committee. Yeah. So witches, what are they supposed to do? Which
1: is why witches never really get anything done. Yeah. Like, you know magic is great but if you don't have a solid organizational structure
0: heck it is dead man
1: yeah (laughs) i believe it was Nietzsche that said that Mm -hmm.
0: mrs hughes then you know correctly tells edna that she better make the time Mm -hmm. uh since that's what they pay her for yeah and then carson starts blabbing because lady raven has had to like move out of her estate and into a dingy little house north of park or something like that and uh, he's surprised that the family even invited her. Yeah.
1: Well, and if it's any comfort, like Lady Raven still has all her Raven subjects to comfort her.
0: <laughs> fly, my pretty <laughs> fly! Pick out that butler's eyes! <laughs> and uh, Mrs. Hughes is not having it. She just shakes her head. She's, yeah, yeah. Look, Mrs. Hughes is of the same mind as you, Tom. <laughs>
1: Right. And she has to deal with it way more often. Yeah, like every day. <laughs> Mary and Gilly are walking upstairs. The Gillinghams have apparently not moved back into their, uh, their 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 manor house. It, too, was a hospital during the war, and now it is apparently a girls' school. Well,
0: he must find that quite tiresome to deal with. <laughs>
1: I would think so. Uh, they all live in the dower house now, and he says they're quite comfortable there. Mary remembers it. She, she remembers she went there once, and she spilled ice cream all over her dress that Granny Gillingham had given them. And uh, yes, apparently Granny Gillingham believed in spoiling children, uh, but did, has not had the chance since Gillingham himself has not had any children.
0: Though he's been close, but he's blisteringly homosexual, <laughs> and also, in reality, a tiny troll named Hoggle.
1: <laughs> so there's problems there. Can
0: we call Granny Gillingham Grilly? <laughs>
1: We can. I mean, I I don't know that we're ever going to hear from her again. I like
0: to be prepared. Okay, she's still around.
1: No, she might look. Look. Clearly,
0: Mary's thinking about blowing this guy. So,
1: if Grilly stops by, we'll be ready.
0: (gasps) Oh, Grilly, bring us ice cream.
1: Maybe she'll come and spoil some children that still exist.
0: Yeah real grandmothers across the nation are pissed (laughs) off right they were like oh finally there's gonna be babies on Downton abbey all my dreams have come true and we get one episode of babies
1: yeah and then no babies. no
0: babies we came up with a whole award for babies i know we are like grandmothers essentially in that (laughs) regard
1: in that regard yes make with the babies baron fellows we're not
0: getting any younger (laughs)
1: He asks about Mary, like what her deal is. And she's like, well, I have a son, George, and you know about Matthew. And he's
0: right. Like, it really was tactless of him.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, he apologizes.
0: Like, McGee would have written that in the letter and been like, hey, oh. don't, uh, don't talk about George, who we've hidden in the West Wing. <laughs> right. The Less forbidden West awkward. Wing. Uh, don't mention Matthew and definitely don't bust out the gramophone oh. because it is going to be a nightmare. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, so Gilly apologizes, and Mary just says, there's nothing to forgive. I go this way, and you're down there, and goes off.
0: Down in the kitchen, Mrs. Patmore is berating Ivy and saying that chilled soup should be an exquisite mouthful and not a bucket of slop. And it's so funny to me to think that, I mean, Mrs. uh, Patmore is, like, this trained French chef. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she has this palate, and she knows, but she's Mm so, "Ah!" (laughs)
1: <laughs> right, right. all the
0: time you're like oh wait no you are like a fancy yeah a fancy person <laughs> yeah deep down under all that red faced berating yeah
1: morning can save her ivy oh
0: god i thought she actually did look kind of pretty this episode no i may have been drunk
1: as well well i mean also i would say i'm i rather suspect and i can't remember if i've seen her or not but i would assume that the actress playing ivy much like the other actors actresses who play less attractive uh-huh. characters on the show cleans up and looks real pretty in real life yeah
0: but like She's just bland.
1: Oh, I mean, she's bland. She's nothing, you know. She's no crazy. She's bland? Yeah, she's bland as a bucket of slop.
0: <laughs> uh apparently she was serving up the chilled soup in the slop bowls not <laughs> oh, right. The chilled soup bowls. Uh Daisy has the squabs, syllabubs and savory under control and uh tonight's dinner was brought to you by the letter S.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: And then Pat Moore suddenly remembers the vegetables and runs off.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, Daisy is, like, super, like...
0: She's on top of it. Yeah,
1: and kind of, like, resenting Pat more hovering over her. She's Mm -hmm. like, I can totally do this.
0: It's been ten years. Yeah, yeah. I own a farm now?
1: Right. Remember when
0: I owned a farm? Yeah,
1: I own a farm. I've been doing this since I was six. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm a widow.
0: God, these people. (laughs) They've lived ten lifetimes, all of them, in ten
1: years. Indeed. In McGee's room... McGee is getting dressed, uh, deciding what jewelry to wear. Edna recommends the diamonds. She would, uh, right? They're the witchiest jewel. I, I would think so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: McGee asks Lord Grantham why he really invited Mister Sampson. Why did you really uh, invite Mister Sampson? Uh, yes, the actual answer is that he's a chump. But what he says <sighs> is that it was for the same reason that McGee invited Gilly and uh, Sir John Bullock. McGee says that it is good to see young men in the house again. Good for Mary. And uh, Lord Grantham's like, you know she's not over her husband dying six months ago yet, right?
0: It's been six months and a week.
1: (laughs) But McGee says that she's never going to get over it, but she will get past it someday, and she wants to help her.
0: Because there's just a line of dick. (laughs) Is that how you get past things? Just bam. Uh, Like, all right, eligible bachelors, let's run a train on Lady Mary. (laughs) We're going to get her through this.
1: Her therapist recommended it. Um, Yeah, and they also talk about uh, poor Tom and his, you know, hardships.
0: I just hope Tom discovers opium or something. Like, (laughs) my God.
1: Well, anyway
0: in an upstairs hallway Anna asks Mr. Gillingham how it's going and he says he would prefer to be called Green because that's his real name but she says Carson wouldn't approve and uh, they they stick to the old ways at right. Downton Abbey what a shock Yeah, Anna wants to get her work done and Green says all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy and Jill a dull girl and we're like you know you really don't have to say
1: both of those like <laughs> we get it right we know Anna's not a boy
0: he says he'll organize some games and Anna says she'll organize him if he doesn't watch out and it's all very <laughs> we're all certain friend
1: yes in some other hallway edna runs into branson surprise surprise
0: Yeah, i'm sure that was totally an accident yeah
1: um she observes that they've finally gotten him to wear white tie and he's you know he feels like an idiot in it edna then says that she's been wondering why they've never spoken since she came back even after she like performed the rite of summoning and everything Uh, And she hopes that they can still be friends, and Branson says that, oh, of course we can. Which, wrong. You cannot be friends. Tom says, Braithwaite, Edna.
0: Wrong answer. (laughs) Don't call her Edna. Her name is Braithwaite, yours is Tom, and fucking just deal with it.
1: Agreed. Uh, But he says he's trying to walk a tightrope, and Edna says that she just doesn't want him to be her enemy, he says that he is not, and Edna goes off to see to her horcruxes or whatever she does.
0: This is the thing, though. Like this storyline would be interesting if it weren't for the actress playing the role, and if it weren't just for the fact that she doesn't appear to have any motivation. Yeah. Like,
1: like uh, again, ever
0: since she was introduced, she seemed like she had this boner for him. Right. That we don't have any insight into why. Like, does she actually like him, is she just trying to get some money? Yeah. Because, yeah. like, guess what. Lord Grantham's gonna piss it all away before you ever see a dime.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and he's not related to the family like like by blood.
1: Right. He's just got a job there. Like that's
0: Yeah. Anyway, yeah uh, I just you know, I Well, in kind of the same way that, like, the Jane plot line with Lord Grantham wasn't completely stupid. Like, you know, we had her backstory and, like, it wasn't great, but there was at least some kind of engagement there. Yeah. But this is just, like, you know, some stupid plot contrivance.
1: Right. I mean, she just, like, like she just seems, like, pointlessly, like, malicious Mm -hmm. just for, for, for nothing. Yeah.
0: Down at Crawley House, Dr. Clarkson is hanging out with Isabel because uh, Baron Fellows doesn't really know what to do with either at this point. But, <laughs> right. you know, they've got these contracts and they have to be in a certain number of episodes. <laughs> they discuss the goings on at Downton Abbey. Uh, Dame Me- uh, Nellie Melba will be singing.
1: Yes. And I'd like to point out that as I was typing up the recap or, or notes for this, I typed... Nelba like literally every time I went to type her yeah, name yeah that is really confusing yeah was she
0: a real person yeah, yeah okay oh P.S. everyone we're not doing fashion backwards and Tom repeats history in this episode right we're gonna try to keep pace with some of the references and things but because of the extra episode we kind of just ran out of time yeah, so yeah. we'll we'll cover things oh yeah oh we'll cover them <laughs> fortunately I already talked about the gramophone last week because my god emotionally <laughs> I don't think we could have done it this
1: week <laughs> yeah
0: so Nellie Melba will be singing and Isabel's trying not to be mad at the family for throwing a party, but she's like kind of mad, yeah. which, but like, I get like, well, you know, she, she knows she's being right. kind of ridiculous right. and then it's not justified and that, you know, life has to go on. It's just that, you know, she's got nothing to do now yeah. that her meddling is done for the season. Apparently. <laughs> right. And, uh, Dr. Clarkson wants to know what Mary thinks that they are having this event and Isabel in the understatement of the century says, <laughs> well, you know how Mary is. She's quite opaque.
1: Yeah. And I, I also, and I mean, we'll keep talking about it. But I think you know Isabel just killing it. Oh yeah, like
0: with very little to do.
1: Yeah, in the drawing room at the Abbey, Rose asks uh, Sir Bullock, the bland guy, that if uh, if he loves Al Jolson, uh, he says he does, and she certainly does. She has all of his records, even April Showers. Which come on, that's like. <sighs>
0: Look, uh this is a totally 1922 hipster conversation, and he's trying to seem cool. Right. And she's like, oh, no, you don't understand. I've been listening to Al Jolson since before anyone had heard of
1: him. <laughs> right. I prefer some of his deeper cuts.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, he asks if she's ever in London.
0: And she says, I might be. <laughs> she is very good at flirting. She is. I really admire her poise and, you know... i have never been that person
1: no i mean you know i'm just like hey
0: (laughs) you want to make out and that has only ever worked once and it was on you (laughs) so thank you for that
1: oh thank you but um (laughs) yeah no and she i mean this is this is the first chance she's had to flirt in god knows how long
0: well she was at that uh you know well yeah but like green i keep wanting to call it a te vert which is the french for green
1: tea <laughs> right the tate dansant.
0: right was. well yeah it but it's french
1: yeah but now she can flirt like under her own name
0: right and yeah. like also not get called a slut because <laughs> nobody at <laughs> right. down would ever say that even if it was like totally true
1: <laughs> it's true across the room branson is sitting with the duchess Which, again, another great, like, Batman villain name.
0: That's Archbishop to you, Batman!
1: (laughs) Indeed. And that's all anybody calls her for the rest of the episode is the Duchess. And I love it. Um, (laughs) I know what you're getting for Christmas. (laughs) A Duchess? Well,
0: if I can afford it. If not, I'll just get you a t-shirt that says the Duchess. (laughs) That'll be really confusing if you wear it.
1: That's true. No, but it could be it could be like a picture of the duchess but like somehow, I don't know, like I envision like with motion lines running off of it, like <laughs> It's the duchess. It's an action shot of the duchess.
0: <laughs> Is she dancing?
1: No, she's off to steal like jewels in Gotham or whatever.
0: So wait, she's just the unicorn from that Doctor Who episode?
1: Well, yeah, except she's really a duchess. <laughs> You know, she's had to pay death duties on the estate one too many times. <laughs> and she's turned to crime. Look, look for Tom's fanfiction <laughs>
0: about the Duchess. Oh, oh, man. I don't know when I've laughed that hard. That was great.
1: Okay. <laughs> Yeah. In any case, for the time being, Branson and the Duchess are just discussing the pros and cons of barley, which sounds like an exciting conversation.
0: Yeah, you can put it in soup. Right. You can uh, make risotto with it. It's great.
1: You can uh, make beer with it, Mm -hmm. as the Duchess points out. Uh, She then excuses herself because she needs to go talk to poor Lady Raven.
0: I feel bad for Lady Raven for being invited to this party. (laughs) Right. My God! Uh, It's a house party, not a pity party.
1: Yeah. I just because we never see her, and I wish that. Uh, I, I just have this vision of her saying, oh, I must go talk to poor Lady Raven, and then you're just hearing off screen a,
0: car, car. Yes. Lovely to see you as well, Lady Raven. <laughs> um, Tell me, how's the murder? <laughs> CAW. <laughs> so glad to hear it. Where's Mrs. Jefferson? <laughs> moving on up, moving on up.
1: <laughs>
0: New spin off House Guests. Starring the Duchess, <laughs> Lady Raven, Raven, and Mrs. Jefferson.
1: I'm, I'm sold. Great. Yeah. We'll get right on that. Uh, in the meantime, as the Duchess leaves, Branson says, of course, your grace. The Dowager Countess pulls him aside to tell him that he should not be calling her your grace, as that is what a servant or an official at a ceremony would call her. But in a social setting, he should call her Duchess. And he says that seems confusing because he doesn't call the Dowager Countess Countess and she's, you know, and she says certainly not. And he complains that there's no logic in it. And and the Dowager Countess says that oh, if I was look- searching for logic, I certainly wouldn't search among the English upper class. But I w- just something that I read in in that Neil Stevenson book, the Baroque Cycle. But he has one of his upper class characters express his theory. He's like, of course all of these rules don't make any sense. If they made sense, then anybody could learn them and seem noble. But because they make no sense, you just have to grow up with them. And uh, that means that it, it becomes much harder to fake being a mm-hmm. member of the upper class. And I just thought that was interesting. That is and, interesting. Yeah.
0: What does he call her? Does he call her Lady Grantham? I believe so. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, we got all the screen time devoted to what she's gonna call him. What does he call her? Right. I'd call her Grilly. <laughs>
1: No, you wouldn't. That name is taken.
0: Well, that's true. I'd call her Granthi.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. Tom asks uh, Thomas to get him a drink for God's sake. And he replies, it's Barrow now, sir. But yes, of course.
0: Tom, can you still get that job in the garage? (laughs) It just seems like that might be better for you. Yeah.
1: And I enjoyed Barrow's... uh, enjoyment Mm -hmm. of correcting him
0: (laughs) mr receding hairline aka (laughs) mr samson suggests a round of cards to lord g yeah lord g i'm sorry i I just suddenly forgot what he's called
1: i've been calling him lg a lot
0: i don't know anyway so lord grantham gilly and uh bullock basically all want to go play cards lord grantham's like oh yeah sure i'll have a table set up in the smoking room there's already one in there uh, Lord Grantham says he won't play tonight, but uh, listen, we've all hung out with that guy. All right. Uh, <laughs> nearby, presumably, yeah. uh, Edith asks Gregson if he ever plays. He says he used to, but he, tonight he'd rather be with Edith. And then across the room, shot from behind, McG talking with the Duchess. <laughs> yeah. Mary is sitting with Gilly, and he wants to go riding. So Mary says, yeah, I'll go with you. Uh, oh.
1: Well, just, yeah. she says that there's like... St- uh saddles and mm-hmm. stuff it's and all it's all the, ready to go yeah. like
0: you know it's a house it may be after the war but they can <laughs> still hook a gentleman up with a steed you know like that's fine yeah so he's like will you come and she's like i might she says she hasn't been in a saddle for ages and she'll be stiff as a board the next day mm-hmm. not as stiff as a turkish gentleman but still pretty <laughs> stiff boom uh
1: no i assume, I mean i assume she's been riding since then but is that the last time we saw her riding? was with the turkish gentleman
0: no, there's the Christmas special when she was engaged to Sir Richard Carlyle.
1: Oh, okay. I believe okay. we saw
0: her on a horse then, but okay. I could be wrong.
1: Fair enough. Just because uh,
0: Anyway, she invites the entire room to go riding, and there's no takers. Gregson says he only rides if he has to, much to the dismay of Lord Grantham. <laughs> right. Uh, and so Gilly says, "You're stuck with me, Mary. What a convenient plot device here at Convenience Abbey." <laughs>
1: Down in the kitchen, Pat Moore is, uh, doing some kind of baking looking task, and Hughes asks why she is still doing stuff at this ungodly hour. Uh, but Pat Moore says she had, she had sent the girls to bed, but then she wanted to get ahead of herself, and she might even still get some, some breakfast stuff going before she goes to bed. Uh, Carson asks Hughes if they're all set for tomorrow, and Hughes says the only question she has is where they will feed Dame Nelly on Sunday, as of course she can't eat in the servants' hall. Uh, Carson says that her pianist can join them in the servants' hall, and she can have a tray in her room. Hughes is like, well, shouldn't she dine with the house party? And Carson is shocked. Shocked, I tell you, as she is just an Australian singer.
0: Oh, my. Yeah. And as we all know, Australia is peopled entirely with criminals, (laughs) even the singers. (laughs) That's right. Her beats were against the law.
1: (laughs) I don't know that Dame Nellie Melba had beats, per se.
0: At the servant's entrance, Mr. Mosley is carrying in a box of pantry-type supplies, and Daisy asks what he's doing. Apparently, he's delivering an order for Mr. Bakewell. Yes. Mrs. Patmore then asks if he's delivering for Bakewell's now for no reason. Right. Uh, And he says he's filling in until something better turns up. Daisy is appalled and says, you're a delivery boy. Yeah. And Mrs. Patmore shuts her up and says there's no shame in hard work. And then she tells Moseley to sit down and she'll have Daisy bring him some tea. Yeah. Moseley sits down and acts like he's been hauling 300 pounds of something because Moseley's an asshole. Yeah. Well, that's all he does is
1: make those faces. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's I mean, that's clearly what they're asking him to do. I know. Like, which I just don't get that. Um But I did like the way Patmore was like, seriously, Patmore has no problem with him being a delivery Mm-mm. boy or whatever he's got to do. And she doesn't, she's not bothered by that stuff. Uh At breakfast upstairs, Lord Grantham comes up to Gilly and says that they must have played Lady, hopes they don't mind that he went to bed early. Gillingham says it's fine and that Samson is a very skilled player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bullock tells Rose that he was getting walloped by Samson all night, so... Butt sex? Right. Presumably. Um, Rose hopes that means that she can count on him tonight, and he says that she can. Lord Grantham asks Tom about his plans for the day, and he says he's gonna go off and look at some planting by the South Wood or something like that, and Lord Grantham's like, uh, I can't you stay and help entertain the guests?
0: You're not related. Like, not really.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, yes and no. Like,
0: I don't know. That would be like if I died and you were at a party at my parents' house and you wanted to go on a walk and they were like, uh, don't you think you should help entertain all these people that you're no longer contractually obligated to care about? (laughs) You wouldn't like it. No, I wouldn't. I mean, you don't like it now. Right. When you are contractually (laughs) obligated to be there.
1: Yeah. And neither does Tom. He just asked for just two hours off. Edith asks Lord Grantham to join her and Gregson on a walk after breakfast, and he says, No, he has too much to do rounding this lot up. He offers Edith coffee, and she says, Not yet, thank you, which struck me as an odd thing to say. Like, if you're not having coffee yet, why are you having it later?
0: Oh, uh, well, she was on crack
1: <laughs> in the
0: morning, and she didn't want to. That's true. You know, she's
1: she's going to taper off with coffee yeah, later. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that makes sense then. Uh, and then Lord Grantham very uh, abruptly. Leaves. Gregson says that Lord Grantham is very good at putting off what he doesn't want to do. Yeah,
0: like not ruining his estate.
1: <laughs> right. Indeed, it says, oh, he's not as calculated as that. And Gregson says, how little we know our own parents.
0: And I'm all for it. Right. Don't want to know. <laughs> Downstairs, all the male servants are having a shoe shining bro down discussing <laughs> the poker game that went on and, uh, Mr. Green says his employer is too clever and got out of the game early, although that is not what Thomas heard. Alfred asks which game it was, and of course it was poker. You can't lose a fortune playing Snap. And Molesley says, I could, and we believe him. (laughs) Right.
1: Uh, Out on the estate, Mary and Gilly are riding along. Apparently Gilly has caught Mabel Lane Fox, the greatest heiress of the season.
0: Is it a bummer, like, every season, like, if you were, like, the greatest heiress? I mean, I guess, you know, then you get married, but it must be a bummer, you know, like, when the old Miss America has to crown the new Miss America. Yeah. And, I mean, once you marry a member of the Landed Nobility that's going to just take all of your money and ruin everything. Yeah. That's... I mean, like, the prize sucks. Yeah. Like, being the greatest heiress of the season is a booby prize in and of itself. Yeah,
1: it is. Uh, So... Sorry about that, Maybelline Lane Fox.
0: <laughs> well, she does have the charming Mary Crawley, who doesn't have any money.
1: Right, That's uh,
0: true. But you know, she's she's around.
1: Yeah, she's uh, quite attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, everybody's pushing. You know, everybody's shipping Foxingham. Um, <laughs> and you don't like Gil Fox? Oh, th- that's good. We'll go with Gil Fox. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: throw the grandma in there grill fox. <laughs> now you got a tasty treat
1: <laughs> great um, <laughs> and uh, Mary says that a match which everybody is pushing for can work out and be very happy and you know fills in Gilly on the previous three seasons of Downton Abbey
0: because uh, for some reason someone's tuning in for the first time
1: I guess so uh, she's also riding a side saddle, which looks ridiculous. I mean, you know, she has no choice, but good grief. Gilly says that she is lucky, which she's like, uh what? And Have you,
0: again, right. really? Have you not been
1: watching the show? <laughs> right. I just explained to you that that is not the case. But he says that she has had a great love in her life, and shouldn't that enrich any life? Uh, and She says she's not sure. She says that... Uh, Matthew changed her He, lo- she loved him but he changed her and she thinks that if she was still as tough as she was before she met him she'd be happier now
0: I agree yeah let's eternal sunshine of the spotless mind this thing and, <laughs> and move forward
1: yeah McGilley um, says that regardless they can't go back yeah. which is true
0: in the kitchen, uh, Anna is doing something that appears to be pulling lavender buds off their stems to make sachets.
1: Yeah. Um, I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. No, it, I'm, I'm
0: not 100% convinced, but that's but what yeah, it looks that like. That
1: seems plausible.
0: Because, well, mainly because that green says that old lady Gillingham's made possibly grilly. <laughs> possibly. Grilly, grilly, came back. All right. See, right. grilly always comes back. <laughs> <laughs> grilly just buys it in packets and anna says she must not be a country girl who will make her own right and then green says that grilly is poor for it and i want to punch him in the face because yeah. that is not true at all oh, she's quite wealthy <laughs> even if they are all living in the dower house <laughs> bates comes in and says to green that green has plenty of time for chatter because bates has just suddenly decided to be a dick
1: he has like
0: for no reason yeah
1: well, and I, he, he seems to Green at least thinks that Bates was saying that to Anna. Mm-hmm. Um, because
0: he says that Bates can blame him. And Bates is like, I do. And then Anna goes out in the hall and is like, Brony, yeah. why are you being a dick? Mm. And he's like, I don't know. I just don't like that guy. Yeah. For the same reason that I'm just being a dick. I rabble, rabble, rabble. Yeah. Yeah. Does Bates have his
1: cane at any point in this episode? He does in the last scene, I remember seeing okay. it. Um, so for what that's worth. Up in the library, old rich people mill about aimlessly. Um, Their natural habitat, right? Uh, McGee asks Carson if everything's set for Dame Nellie's arrival, and he says that you know it is. Uh, he doesn't know where she's staying because uh, that's Hughes' department. But McGee says she knows. Hughes knows what she's doing, so she's fine with that. And she says to Carson that they will be taking a tour of the garden in ten minutes, and it would be good to have coffee ready when they get back. And Carson says, very well, my lady, and just sort of oddly resentful for a very routine request. So that just seemed odd to me. Uh, Lord Grantham comes into the library, and McGee talks about how excited she is for Melba to be there. Uh, Lord Grantham complains about how much it cost.
0: Which- More or less than the death duties, do you think?
1: I'm going to say less than. But I will, I, you know, I, one does wonder what, what the weekend rate on a Melba was. Yeah. But in any case, McGee thinks it's worth it. it uh, the party can be so dead if there isn't something uh, for – forget how she says it. Just something for everybody to look forward to or she something like – She
0: said it very
1: slowly. <laughs> right. And Lord Grantham thinks that couldn't they all just watch the sunset by the lake? And
0: Nobody likes to – even people who say they like watching the sunset are only saying it to make you feel bad about yourself yeah. for not getting up early enough.
1: Yeah. And you know what? They've all got a lake at their own estates. If they want to watch the sunset over a lake, they can do that anytime. Mm-hmm. They need to get together with you assholes.
0: In the kitchen, Daisy struggles with opening a lid. Ivy tries to open and then Alfred volunteers and we all immediately realize that Alfred will not be able to open the jar and then Jimmy will get it open. And that does happen, although Daisy makes fun of Jimmy. Which I liked. Uh, now, Jimmy makes an interesting choice here, which is <laughs> <laughs> To celebrate opening the jar. Yes. By immediately closing it again, flipping it up into the air, dropping it in a spectacular fashion that, through physics that perhaps work <laughs> on some other plane, yeah. causes him to fall backwards and then cry out in pain. He says he's hurt himself.
1: Right. We eventually establish that it's his left wrist that he hurt, and yet in the shot of him falling, his, like, he doesn't catch himself with that hand. Like, clearly it's Let's not think about this too deeply.
0: (laughs) Mrs. Patmore says that he'll mend, which is more than she can say for that jar, and refers to him as Mr. Clever Clogs, and then tells Daisy and Ivy to clean up after him. Like, you know, he is a footman. He does have to clean up sometimes. I think he can clean up his own stupid jam jar.
1: I would think so too. I mean, I think part of it is that. You know, it's it's just the division of command that she doesn't yeah, I technically guess that's true. boss him around.
0: Ah, uh, that makes sense as well. Yeah. Still, I hope she kicked him <laughs> right in the wrist.
1: Yeah. There's then a five second scene of some rich old biddies strolling through some fancy gardens in
0: hideous outfits. <laughs> yes. McGee's garden outfit in particular is this awful like. It's not even a mustard yellow. It's more brown than that.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a mustard brown.
0: Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. And just she, it's a terrible color on her. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those shapeless things in the 20s and they're all wearing them. Right. You know, because they're all shopping at like Lane Bryant or
1: whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, and they're all out there in the, and it appears to be winter because everything in the garden. No,
0: not Lane Bryant, TJ Maxx. Oh, okay. That's, listen. Hey, that's. You're welcome, everyone that just suddenly got their dander up. Because I was like, <laughs> that's not right.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so they all look like dead and barren just as the garden itself does. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the library, Gregson tells Edith about the German lessons that he has been taking. And uh, Edith says she still can't believe how much he's willing to do to be with him. And I have to admit, I suddenly in this episode came around and was like, you know what? Something bad is going to happen.
0: I mean, he is married to that crazy lady. Right. This is Chekhov's crazy lady.
1: Yeah, and... You know, and he, you know, used to be, as we learn he, about his checkered past mm-hmm. in this episode, and it's, something. something's gonna go wrong here. <sighs> Fucking Edith. I know. My god. Yeah. But I don't even know, like, does he need a kidney or something? I don't, like, I don't even know. In any case, Lord Grantham is sitting at his desk, so Edith goes over and tries to start up a conversation about the library. Gregson says that he heard they had a Gutenberg Bible there. Uh, which, if that is the case, I would just like to point out that um, there are only 48 Gutenberg Bibles in the entire world as of, you know, this This is all as of today. Uh, only 21 of which are complete. None of them have been sold since, like, 1978, so it's just an estimate. But they're estimated to be worth, like, 25 to $35 million in today's money. All this is to say that Lord Grantham has no idea where it is and that their librarian, Mr. Pattinson, is the only one that knows. I'm like, dude... You know where that is. You know where that is. Well, and that's better? the other thing.
0: Oh, you have a Gutenberg Bible and you yeah. don't know how to pay the death duties? Right. You have a Gutenberg Bible that you don't even know where it is. Right. And you can't figure out how to pay the death duties.
1: Like, I'll tell you where it is. It's in Mr. Pattinson's safe deposit box. Because <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Pattinson's got to retire someday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ugh. And then Lord Grantham runs away again. And Gregson and Edith, again, talk about how he doesn't want to talk to them.
0: Lord Grantham uh, is discussing the wine with Carson. Carson then mentions that Mcgee invited the servants to hear Melba sing and wants to know if the kitchen staff is allowed as well. Lord Grantham, uncharacteristically, is acting like he's all savvy. (laughs) Like, oh, are you worried they'll be corrupted by opera? And then Carson says that before the war... Before the war.
1: Wait, were things different then? Things
0: were different before the war. Get out of town. They were very different. The kitchen staff would not have been permitted in uh, joining the rest of the staff with an invitation like this.
1: Well, they'd all be covered in flour or whatever. So
0: Lord Grantham says that they must bend that far. Modern times and all that. And like, by modern times, do you mean before the war? (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure you do. (laughs) At any rate, Carson has arranged for the accompanist to sleep with the Male servants, because right. he could hardly expect to have been sleeping with the female servants, which is, <laughs> which is what passes for humor when Lord Grantham and Carson get together. <laughs> yeah. And Dame Nelly will have dinner in her room, and Lord Grantham is busy examining the seating arrangements, and he says Carson can do whatever. uh And again, I don't really understand why Carson's having this conversation with Lord Grantham.
1: Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's Lord Grantham's the head of the household. Right, He's but McGee would
0: have. I find it very hard to McG believe. She would
1: have had would have tried to do something modern and post ish Carson only wants to ask Lord Grantham because he knows but Lord Grantham is more likely. But if she planned the party,
0: she would have planned the seating. I don't know. Unless things were different after the war, <laughs> right? That's and how that's, it would have gone.
1: Yeah. Oh, fair enough. That's that's a good point.
0: Well, I mean, you know, we saw Lady O'C do that, right? In right. Manor House. No, and that's that's a good. In point. all of the research that we did, that's how it was.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. You're right.
0: Anyway, uh, Jimmy and Alfred are also there.
1: Right. They're doing their, like, measuring of things. Yeah, they're just cluttering things up. Yeah. Well, just reiterating, you know, various shots from Gosford Park that Julian liked.
0: This really is like Gosford oh, yeah. Park light. Yeah. I mean, and I loved it. Yeah. And I saw several recaps that were like, this is, you know, Julian Fellows and his element. Right, right. Downton Abbey is so much better when it's only set at Downton Abbey. Mm. And it's about this minutia. We don't have to go to Ripon. Right, and, right. And, you know, even though we love Ripon. We do. But we like Ripon as a place that they go. Right. Not a place that they are.
1: Right. A place that they talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Downton should be like the island unlost, and nobody can ever really leave.
1: (laughs) Out in the fields, Mary and Gilly canter past some sheep. They're unimpressed. The sheep are. Um, He talks about how he loves to see an estate that is all still in one piece. Because you know what? Those filthy commoners haven't gotten everything yet. (laughs) Mary says that it may not be in one piece for long, what with this whole taxes and idiot father situation. Gilly's suggestion is that she convince Lord Grantham to let her meet with the tax people and negotiate the best deal she can get, and then that way she'll have more of a solid case to be, you know, making her case for. She is grateful to, for the advice. She appreciates that. Um, and she's also just grateful to hear that other people are having this same sort of problem. This is why, you know, they're, they've got a bunch of girls running around their manor house mm-hmm. at the Gilliams. And they ride off towards Downton, and it's this big, like, helicopter-sweeping exterior shot, and it it doesn't fit in with the show at all. Like, their cinematography can't handle that shot. Um, And just because, like, they can't light it. Like, they have a very specific way of lighting things Uh indoors, particularly that's very, like, I don't know. Yeah,
0: it looks muddy when they go outside like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. There's also some random servants just sort of, like, aimlessly digging near a tree nearby.
0: They're just rehearsing in production of Waiting for Godot. (laughs) In the kitchen, uh, apparently, Jimmy Kent has jiggered his bloody wrist... And Pat Moore says she'll have no swear words unless she's doing the swearing.
1: Right. And I was momentarily confused by that into thinking that Jigger does a swear word because I never remember that bloody is actually well, like a swear word. Well, that's because all of our
0: relatives act like bloody isn't a swear word. I right. mean, it's not I mean, it's well, not a big deal, but it's like yeah. at this time in particular. Yeah. But well, they just do it just so, that so that they can it's... avoid saying fuck. <laughs> right.
1: Well, it's also just that it was always more of a swear word in, in England than yeah. it was here. Yeah.
0: Carson wants to know what's going on, and Daisy explains that Jimmy Kent is an idiot. Thomas also wants to know what's going on, and Carson forces him to being a footman. uh, Whether he's under butler or high cocklorum.
1: Cocklorum.
0: What's a high cocklorum?
1: I I feel like...
0: Is it a penis which is tattooed with lorem ipsum?
1: (laughs) And is high um oh my right no i feel like it's some, i want to hang out with that penis it's some old like maybe kind of fairy tale thing i, re- I feel like i remember my mom telling me when i was real little some okay. kind of fairy tale or something like that well
0: either way come on you know carson's not gonna let a high cockerum do footman's work not even in this debauched post-war <laughs> era right like come on we all have some standards you would have
1: been shocked at the time. there
0: are some lines we cannot cross
1: <laughs> that's right does he a High Cock doing footman's work? Well, it might as well have just let the Germans win the war.
0: <laughs> well, get ready for the rematch. <laughs> the Hun versus High Cock Lorum.
1: <laughs> uh, we get a shot of Jimmy Kent loitering in some upstairs hallway, just kind of flexing his wrist. Uh, but then he hears some rich dudes laughing, so he skitters off. Um, They are planning the poker game for the night, and Lord Grantham invites himself in, and Gregson being there immediately jumps at the opportunity to join in as well, to finally get some time with this guy. Gilly warns Lord Grantham that Samson is sharp. Lord Grantham says, I think I can handle myself.
0: (gasps) Wrong! You can't! Right. Like, what?
1: They need to detail a servant to just slap him every time he expresses (laughs) confidence in his abilities. (laughs) (laughs)
0: no he's like a kid who got participation ribbons and just was never beaten down by life or like never didn't get what he wanted and this is what happens uh, you
1: you mean this english lord feels a sense of privilege yeah exactly that's yeah
0: i was trying to make it more relatable (laughs) for our audience since laura linney's not around to tell us what's what you're right Uh, Look, Tom, I'm doing this podcast and I'm on Linny duty. Uh, Yeah. Okay. And I have a job.
1: No, I know. And listen, if I could get you a a giant human heart, I would.
0: Valentine's Day is coming up.
1: (laughs) That's true. That would be pretty sweet. All right. Well,
0: In a lot of different contexts. (laughs) Up in the drawing room, Gregson informs Edith that he will be playing poker with Lord Grantham. And then McGee asks about Jimmy Kent. And Carson doesn't think it's serious, but he has a plan for tomorrow. Yeah. Well, Lord Grantham says to mary that if they sell the land it will be a capital gain and they will pay no tax at all
1: right i don't know what any of
0: this means but mary says that the estate then won't be able to support the house if they shrink the size of the estate and then lord grantham says he doubts it will change his mind even though she's made a really excellent point right because if the point of selling the land is to keep the house
1: yeah that-
0: the land that you keep needs to be able to su- like support the house.
1: Yeah. No, this, this seems pretty obvious. But-
0: anyway, Mary says his doubt versus an outright insult of both her gender and <laughs> like, everything about her is progress.
1: Which is arguably true.
0: Suddenly, some heathenish gramophone music strikes up, and Rose comes in and asks if anyone wants to dance. And Bullock says he jolly well does. He is not good at playing hard to get at all. No,
1: he bolts over. Yeah,
0: I'm like, you know she's not going to marry you, right, dude? Like, you are not cute enough.
1: Well, you know, look, he gets to dance with her. She's pretty.
0: The Duchess says she doesn't have a partner these days and Mcgee gives Tom a significant look. So he reluctantly asks the Duchess to dance. Yeah. Like, why are they renting Tom out like a hired pony? <laughs> I don't like this.
1: Uh, yeah, no. Oh, so
0: where is his baby? Where's she gone?
1: <laughs> he sent her back to Ireland. <sighs> Probably much happier than he is. <laughs> the revolution is- needs more babies, Kelly.
0: <laughs> and yeah. Say that again. I didn't go brah. Oh, man. I can't wait till we have a real baby and you, like, make it do that all the time. That's going to be great. Spoiler alert, cousins. That's going to happen.
1: <laughs> Suddenly British special forces burst into our apartment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, they use Irish babies as shields, except they, the British were so evil. During that time, that would not have to turn them at all. No,
1: that's a fair point.
0: Gregson is sorry to pass up the chance to hold Edith in his arms which is kind of a creepy thing to say Uh, but he's going to go play poker like a chump (laughs) and then Mary is sitting by the Dowager Countess and Gilly asks her to dance because of course he does Right. and she says she was going to keep Granny company but Granny says not to use her as an excuse which good call Granny
1: no she does she says if you don't want to dance with him say so
0: I enjoy though the amount of fucks that the Dowager Countess gives have, like, this season in particular, uh, Yeah. just, I mean, you know. Yeah. Like, the Bon Motts are still there, but she's more just, you know what, idiots? Right. I'm tired of this. Oh, my God. I am a million years old. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I've never taken a decent shit. Not <laughs> once. I just, I have so many regrets.
1: <gasps> the English only eat butter. Um, they do. I know.
0: Again, Manor House. Right. None of them could poo. <laughs>
1: <sighs> Boy, moving on. Downstairs, Anna is playing solitaire and Green is just sitting around being bored, like very ostentatiously mm-hmm. bored. Like, Ugh. And he asks if she knows Racing Demon. Uh, she says that she has heard of it but never played. Uh, he says that they'll teach her and they can bring in some of the others and that they're going to need a pack of cards for every player. Uh, and Anna says that that can be arranged and then Bates comes in and asks Anna to help him with a shirt because he has shoes to clean so Anna's like alright
0: you know at first I was like why is he asking for her help with this extra work but it's probably not Lord Grantham's or oh. if it is Lord like he's behind because right. there's, there's all these people, and there yeah. are more men that they're hosting than women yeah that's true it appears so well actually you would almost think it maybe would have they have finally balanced <laughs> numbers in the country now that all of the young men have died in the <laughs> war yeah
1: I guess there was an upside. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. I know. Um, and Big G would never say that. She would but, never say that.
0: But uh, no, and I'm like, well, I guess Bates isn't invited to play Racing Demon. Like, Jesus.
1: He doesn't want to be. Incidentally, if you were wondering, uh, I looked it up. I didn't look up the details. But apparently Racing Demon is a game that is now generally known as Nerds. Um
0: Is that like a yurt
1: uh, it is N-E-R-T-Z on Ugh. Wikipedia, um, and I mean, it seems to be like a reasonably widespread game, but, uh, but what the deal was in, in brief seemed to be that it's basically you're each playing solitaire, but there's also like cards in the middle, and you can like steal cards from other people and stuff, and the goal is to win your game of solitaire first. Okay. So something like that. I believe if, you. If, if anybody look, out there wants to play nerds.
0: I didn't look it up. So I'm taking your word for it like most of the people listening to this podcast. Well it seems
1: like a real hassle too cuz then anytime the game is done you have to yeah, read re- and cards. find all yeah, yeah. but
0: yeah. I guess if you get a bunch of cards with different backs maybe that's simpler but...
1: Well Wikipedia did specifically recommend that.
0: Okay well yeah. thanks
1: Wikipedia.
0: <laughs> dancing in the main hall the duchess tells tom that she loves ireland and he's like please don't do this to me uh tom says he grew up in bray and county wicklow and the duchess knows the powers courts and tom knows of lord powers court and thinks the extraneous s in his name is ridiculous uh it turns out lady powers court is the duchess's niece and tom is trying really hard to not be like i'm a fucking auto mechanic who banged the youngest daughter now she's dead and now i'm in hell right
1: no, but he says, well, I wouldn't say I've met her exactly. I, I've held her for ransom. I, <laughs> I uh,
0: I burned her house down <laughs> right. and danced in the flames.
1: <laughs> we weren't properly introduced. No. <laughs>
0: I saw her fleeing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's a good fleer, that one.
0: Fast. Uh, your family or or your athletes. <laughs> good. Good.
1: Tell them not to stop running. <laughs> Mary comes into the hall where the gramophone is with Gilly. She says she can't believe that she's agreed to dance. Um, she also tells Gilly that she took his advice regarding the the tax situation and thanks him for it. But then she sees the gramophone. She asks Rose where she found it. Rose says that she found it in the attic and, and had uh, Alfred bring it down and set it up. Uh, Mary's like, I, I can't dance after all, and, and she leaves. Gilly's like... What was that about? And Rose says that, oh, that gramophone belonged to Matthew. I just didn't think. Which, I mean, a few questions arise out of this. One, how would Rose know what Matthew's gramophone was or looked like?
0: Because Braithwaite cast an exposition spell on her (laughs) so that she could explain this awkward situation to Gilly.
1: (laughs) Right. I don't know. Maybe it has, you know, MC Heart MC, like scratched into the woodwork Uh, or something. Actually,
0: it would be MC Heart L.S. That's the gramophone he was given for his wedding to Lavinia.
1: Oh, wow. So
0: I guess they kept their gifts.
1: I, I guess so. I had forgotten about that. I mean,
0: I think if the person dies, no, I, I, I feel like you're kind of entitled. No. I,
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I, I'd, I'd forgotten the history of that gramophone. Yeah, that
0: gramophone is what was... That... No, because that is the gramophone that killed Lavinia. <laughs> Uh, so not only is mary remembering matthew one she's also right. remembering how that gramophone killed lavinia and how but, she and her family have been living off of lavinia's blood money the entire time wow
1: yeah that gramophone killed lavinia cock cockblock gilly <laughs> like they should really get rid of that thing
0: well Anne, mary where did you think the music was coming from
1: a non-haunted gramophone <laughs>
0: cousins i'm very <laughs> curious <laughs> Have you ever experienced, like, have you seen the iPod of someone that died? And, and, and like, oh, my God. Nobody even uses these anymore. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> that was actually a plot point on a community this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't watch it, but well, somehow I found that out. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, Rose and Bullock are just like, well, old people are fucked up. We're going to keep dancing uh, yeah. like jazz hot.
1: <laughs> they do. No, they they like, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. They're like, oh, so, sucks for them. Let's go.
0: Hey, hey. Have you heard of a selfie? <laughs> it's masturbation, yes?
1: <laughs> it takes, you take a photograph of yourself. It takes hours.
0: <laughs> in the smoking room, Samson has four nines and says he's just been
1: lucky. And this always annoys me about poker on television or in movies, how people are always having like four of a kind or a straight flush. Like you don't get four of a kind in a regular poker game, almost ever. Like it never happens.
0: And he has no wild cards.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're playing, like, you know, Deuces Wild or something, maybe. Maybe.
0: This has been Computer Programmer Tom Complains (laughs) About Human's Perception of Random Patterns.
1: (laughs) It's just not that hard.
0: I know. You've explained it to me many times. (laughs) Gregson says he's in pretty deep and he ought to stop. And then uh, Lord Grantham apparently is in even deeper, so Sibby's on the table. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
1: She's not in this episode. (laughs)
0: He's like, well, I've got this wicked crossbreed grandchild I'm willing to (laughs) wager.
1: But I've quite lost track of her, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did they ever hire another nanny? (laughs) What
1: happened? Perhaps we should just let the children raise themselves.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, Well, you know, things are different.
1: (laughs) Since the war. Than they were
0: before the war. (laughs) (laughs) Samson says everyone's luck is about to change, and then, uh, Gregson puts, you know, the kibosh on that and is like, ah, I want to pay you. I'm, I'm done being right. a chump. Samson says IOUs are fine. They can settle up when he leaves or back at the club, and then maybe they'll have won it all back. No way that Gregson belongs to the same club.
1: Right. That can't be. No, I agree that anyway. with that.
0: Lord Grantham says there's no way that he will have won it back, but he asks everyone not to tell McGee because he wouldn't want to worry her. Uh, or have her murder him in his sleep.
1: <laughs> right. Good Lord. And
0: then Gregson says they'll practice their pa pu- pa pu- pa pu- pa pu- pa pu- pa pu- pu- poker face. <laughs> right. I think I missed a pa pu- in there. That's possible. Either way, they can't read it. <laughs> He's bluffing with his muffin.
1: That's right. Pretending to be a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, up in some upstairs hallway, Tom happens by edna she asks how he's enjoying the party uh, he says that he looks like a fool he sounds like a fool he is a fool she yes uh, and right she heard that he was dancing and he said that yes but it was with an old bat who could be his granny and thinks that he grew up in a cave his clothes aren't fooling anyone edna says that he shouldn't be hard on himself
0: yeah think of the baby and branson says who
1: <laughs> right she's uh, like you know
0: sibby he's like no she's dead
1: right Try to keep up.
0: Yeah, come on, Braithwaite. <laughs> chop, chop.
1: Anyway, Branson intends to continue being hard on himself, and Edna walks off smiling to herself with witchy glee.
0: <laughs> Bates greets Lord Grantham in his room, and Lord Grantham says he also took a walloping from Samson, and I very much hope they use protection. <laughs> he says that he was a fool to play with him, and he says he didn't know Samson well, but he overheard about the party at the club and weaseled an invitation out of him. All of which might have been good information to share with McG. Well. Well, and you can't, you're the lord of the fucking manor.
1: Yeah, is but. he
0: weaseling an invitation out of you? But I mean, this
1: is, I mean, it's a confidence game. That's true, it You is. know, and Lord Grantham's a mark.
0: Yeah, he really is. Yeah. He's the markiest mark. <laughs> yeah. He's so marky, he's got a funky butt that follows him around. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, he asks Bates to keep it to himself that he is a chump. And Bates is like, I don't know why you think you pay me. (laughs) Bates is more of a therapist than a valid at this point. Like, and I'm a good therapist that helps you work through your issues. (laughs) Just a therapist that smiles and nods (laughs) and takes your money.
1: The enabling kind, yeah. Mary is lying in her bed still still all dressed for the party. Oh,
0: she's not fully dressed, Tom. You know why? Why? You're never fully dressed without a smile. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, did you just laugh against your will at that? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Boom! Too, yep. I still got it, baby.
1: You got me on First that. First Jackie
0: Cation, now you. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I know your uh, I know your jam a little bit better.
1: Yeah, that's true. You've got inside info. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Mary's mostly dressed, and um,
0: <laughs> well, that makes it sound like she's kind of naked.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, Anna's come in to take whatever clothes remain off of her. Uh, She asks why she is so blue. Mary explains about the whole gramophone disaster. Uh, (laughs) Right. Uh, And apparently Rose had mentioned the gramophone to Anna, and Anna had told Rose to ask Mary, but Rose apparently did not. Um,
0: that's because Rose is like 17 and she don't give a fuck. Yeah.
1: She was like, if Mary says no, there'll be no dancing. So mm. I'm going to uh, not ask Mary. I'm kind
0: of team Rose on this one.
1: I am too. Like,
0: I mean, if Mary was upset, fine, but I think maybe she should have like not made it such a scene. Like, couldn't she have just like seen it and then be like, Oh shit, Gilly. Yeah. Listen, remember how I mostly seemed fine before turns out not so fine. Yeah. I'm going to bounce.
1: Yeah. And also again, you <laughs> your goddamn British lords buy a new gramophone. Anna says that Rose shouldn't have done that. But Mary says it's not just the gramophone. Uh, I hope not. Yeah, really. Uh but she she says that she just doesn't know whether she's in mourning for Matthew or for the way she was when she was with Matthew.
0: That's a, that's, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point, baron fellows. Yeah. Why can you not make more sailing at points like this? It's
1: it's the fellow's conundrum. I know. Man.
0: No, because that's a very insightful yeah. thing to say. Mm-hmm. And it's the most kind of self-aware thing that Mary has been able to
1: articulate. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought Mary through this episode and in her conversations with Gilly has just been very like, has been pretty on point. Just I saying agree. that You know, she doesn't know how she feels about some things mm-hmm. and just like she's just dealing with stuff. Anna tells her that she is a fine and strong person and that someday she'll learn that for herself. Uh, Mary says
0: not like Zoidberg (laughs) and by Zoidberg of course I mean Lord Grantham
1: well yes Mary says that she made an idiot of herself in front of Gilly Uh, Anna says that he won't mind and Mary's like you're right he's not gonna
0: mind yeah he's hoggle (laughs) question how would that map to Futurama okay like so if Lord Grantham is Zoidberg right uh, does that make Branson Hermes
1: I guess so. He's kind of peripheral, like that.
0: Yeah, the Dowager
1: Countess is the professor, just because she's old. Right. No,
0: wait, she's mom.
1: Oh yeah, she's mom. Um, Does that
0: make old Mister Molesley the <laughs> professor?
1: He kind of works. I mean, I don't think McGee fits in at all, because I think you've got Rose has come in now to be uh, uh, Amy, Amy. <laughs> and what's
0: causing it? Is it my outfit <laughs> and this gramophone? <laughs>
1: you know and then there's you know mary and matthew i guess for fry Fry and and leela
0: except he's gone so now it's like edith and gregson
1: i guess that's true uh
0: yeah i mean it doesn't quite work mrs patmore gets to be elzar (laughs) listen we could go on like this for hours and probably only 70 percent of you watch that show so well
1: yeah moving on
0: the Dowager Countess is riding in a car in the village somewhere. There's no establishing shot. We have no idea. It's very abrupt. Right. So, boo. <laughs> she asks the driver to stop and let her out. And I'm like, okay. So, she's just seen...
1: I suddenly feel like a knight on the town.
0: <laughs> Don't wait, up. <huh? laughs> she's seen Isabel walking. And then, with the vigor and spryness of a much younger woman, <laughs> sprints over to Isabel and says, hey, come see Melba tonight. And Isabel says, oh, I have a lot to do. And the Dowager Countess is like, bitch.
1: Yeah you're depressed you do not have your meddling society only meets on
0: wednesdays (laughs) yeah and you got that you know down on his luck actor off the belfast (laughs) so the dowager countess says that sitting alone night after night won't bring matthew back and Isabel says that when she feels happy it feels like she's forgotten matthew and the dowager countess says better by far that you should forget and smile than that you should remember and be sad uh which is a quote from a christina Rossetti poem Mm -hmm. uh who, fun fact, cousins, we had a quote from on our favors at our wedding. That's correct. bookmarks because we
1: like to read. <laughs> that we do.
0: Anyway, Isabel points out that uh, Rosetti was writing about her own death, not the death of her child. The Dowager Countess is like, listen, quit twisting my words. Come to this thing. Yeah. And then Isabel says she does admire Melba and would like to meet her. And the Dowagers are su- surprised to hear that they would meet her. What would they have to talk about? And Isabel says, oh, some of the things that all humans have in common none of which are suitable topics for conversation
1: which i, I actually like that i, I did mean, too that was that which was is good. no
0: i mean and it's still kind of true yeah <laughs> anything <laughs> you have in common with somebody, like oh yeah this is not an
1: episode of degrassi we are not going there <laughs> right uh we get a shot of molesley running it's <laughs> basically just stock footage it's just for them. a
0: bad sign <laughs> like oh god like again
1: right I feel like, like, like Julian Fellow sat down and was like, listen, go out and take five shots of Moseley running in different outfits, and I'll just build the season around that.
0: <laughs> I, I really want to push myself this year. <laughs> I saw this uh, American program called Arrested Development, <laughs> and I thought I could do that, but with Downton Abbey.
1: <laughs> so uh, Mosley tells Carson... Uh, Once he arrives at the Abbey, that he came as soon as he got Carson's message. And uh, the (laughs) (laughs) The upshot being that he is being recruited as a temporary footman. Molesley's face falls at that information. And Carson says that he knows that it's far below his talents, but he does know the duties. And seeing as how he's delivering for Bakewell's now. Mm -hmm. And Molesley's like, oh, so you mean I can't fall any farther? And Carson's just like, well, we would really appreciate it if it would help out. And Molesley says that he's, he has come down in the world, and they both know that, and he'll just have to accept.
0: Braithwaite is dressing McGee, who asks if Dame Nellie has arrived. And uh, Braithwaite says she has, uh, but McGee is sorry she was too late for tea with all of them. Right. LG comes in, and Braithwaite leaves, and McGee and LG talk about seeing the house in full swing again. <laughs> uh, but, it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's full swing. I mean, things are really different uh than they were before the war <laughs> lord grantham says he's enjoying most of it but he doesn't want samson invited back
1: he says he was rather a tyke
0: well what that's what he said a tyke all right, right. mcgee asks what he thinks of gregson and lord grantham says that uh samson hammered him at cards but he took it like a man uh again are you trying, <laughs> Julian Fellows, to make as many euphemisms for gay butt sex as you... If you are, that was his whole thing. The Molesley thing, It was like, how many euphemisms for gay butt sex can I put in here? I'm sorry, bum sex. All right. McGee asks if he was involved in the gambling uh since he's already, you know, lost all of her money on
1: numerous occasions. And this
0: is, you know, we've only known these people for 10 years. <laughs> right. This has probably come up before. Uh he says, not looking at her in the eye, that he was more of a spectator and McGee says she can't believe grown men could throw their money away like that. And Lord Grantham says awkwardly that he couldn't agree more. Uh in fact, he says, "Yes." Uh it's harder to believe than me running the estate could throw money away like that. And yet I do it.
1: Right. Well, she says, what could be more stupid? And he's like, I can think of five or six stupider ways to lose all my money. <laughs> uh, Ivy is tying up JK's hurt wrist. And he says that she, uh, she is always nice to him. And she says that he gave her the best night of her entire life. Referring to the play that they went to. Again, that thank
0: God they invented TV.
1: <laughs> right. Jimmy Kent says, well, one good turn deserves another. And since I've injured my jerking off wrist, dot, dot, dot. But fortunately, Pat Moore calls Ivy away at that moment. You before know, he thought... can actually describe the good turn. He's a thinking <laughs> of.
0: Uh Listen, I didn't think that this love quadrangle could get any more boring <laughs> until it started going well for one, you know, half of it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Back in the kitchen, Daisy and Mrs. Patmore see Moseley in his footman's outfit and he says he's having his career backwards. Uh, hey, welcome to America in the <laughs> early 21st century. <laughs> that is right. Carson tells him that Alfred will be acting first footman and then Molesley snarkily says that perhaps he should also take orders from Daisy or Ivy and Daisy is a she's like look I'm not the one who's a footman right now
1: yeah and also I'm smarter than you maybe you should take orders from me.
0: Carson tells me he has to wear gloves, which upsets Molesley. He's been a butler for a while, not needing to wear gloves. Yeah. So he just Molesley's down the hall and sees <laughs> Mrs. Hughes, who thanks him for helping out. <laughs> and he says he stopped pretending he has pride, like, five seconds ago. That's <laughs> when you stopped, right? Because you you seemed like you still had pride.
1: Right, when you were offered the gloves. Yeah. And
0: then uh, Mrs. Hughes says, every life has its ups and downs, but I hope you know you have friends in this house. And that kind of went off the rails at the end there but uh, yeah look, you're, you're, I'm, I'm, we're working this out you're
1: zeroing in I'm just
0: workshopping this before I take it uh, <laughs> to Broadway <laughs> uh, yeah he also clearly has friends in the writer's room because why is he here
1: yeah well it's uh, you know again I'm, I'm not totally uninterested in his storyline or just the idea of you know but somebody being it's so
0: incongruous
1: right it's so incongruous and, and it is handled so poorly again it's he's mugging all the mm-hmm. time the other thing
0: i wonder the war's over right right can't they just nip down the road to another estate and snatch one of their footmen for the night
1: um you know yeah i mean i think they could and probably they would have except that carson knew that molesley you know needed you know needed some work Mm -hmm. like i think you know i mean it really was just you know reaching out to molesley to try to do a solid for him uh in the servants dining hall Everybody's gathered around the table. Green says, Everyone ready, go! And the cards start flying. The subtitle just says that there is excited chatter and laughter, and those subtitles are correct. As all this fun is going on, Bates just sits by the fire, reminiscing about the quiet times in murder prison. <laughs>
0: Up in the drawing room, McGee (laughs) asks what Melba's doing. Mary suggests that they go up and see, and also Isabel's there. The Dowager Countess doesn't know why they would want to see Melba before dinner since she's singing after, and McGee's very annoyed by this.
1: Yeah, and gives uh, gives the eye roll that she usually reserves for For Lord Lord Grantham. Yeah. In the smoking room, Greg's in, I think that's the smoking room. Well, Samson's smoking, so there's that. I would hope so. <laughs> right. Don't be smoking out of turn. Yeah. I did think to myself that the owners of High Clear Castle, I would be... I mean, they're putting up with a whole lot of mm-hmm. stuff, including actors smoking in their rooms. They're
0: probably using herbal, mm-hmm. which doesn't smell great, mm-hmm. but like it won't linger the way that tobacco smoke will. Okay. Won't. Fair enough. Maybe they're all smoking pot. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, God, Julian Fellows definitely is. <laughs>
1: Just wait till the jazz comes to town. <laughs> yes, but Gregson asks Samson if there's going to be a game after the singing, a poker game. Samson says that with luck, it'll be during the singing, as he is not an opera fan, it would seem. Uh, in any case, Gregson wants in on the game. He says he thinks he's got the trick of it now.
0: Back in the drawing room, Bullock and Tom are gossiping, so maybe he's actually having fun. Uh, Bullock says that Isabella Moncrief has blown up like a balloon. Wow. Uh no mention of how Algernon Moncrief is dealing with this. <laughs> Across the room, McGee interrogates Carson on Melba's treatment, and he says she's been in her room since she arrived. Her maid took her tea, and Carson's about to send up her dinner on a tray. Isabel and McGee are both shocked. Yeah. Uh, Carson says he didn't think she should eat with them, and Lord Grantham agreed. This is so great because yeah. McGee straight up stands up, goes over, and says, Robert! Yes. Like
1: the like, way that your mom
0: said it to your dad that time. Yeah. In front of everybody. Yeah.
1: And not even, like, doesn't even, like, go over to him, just, like, summons no, him. No, it's more,
0: it was more, Robert? Yes. It was more yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So she pulls him
0: aside and whisper yells at him, asking if she is the only member of this family who lives in the 20th century. Yeah. And it's funny because when McG gets mad, she loses the languid, you know, mm. opiate, <laughs> influenced cadence of her voice. Yeah. And she's like laser focused yeah. and she talks like this. It's like she's Chris Traeger. <laughs> uh, after ascertaining that Melba is staying in the Princess Amelia because Mrs. Hughes is not a monster, right? McGee informs LG that he will sit next to Melba at dinner and he will like it. Lord Grantham asks what he'll say to her. McGee just completely ignores him and storms off. Yeah. And then Lord Grantham looks at Carson and says, I blame you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's like Laurel and Hardy if both of them were Hardy. <laughs> like it's this, just this vaudeville moment there. Also, I only realized this just now as we were going through it, that the conversation about tea that McGee had with Edna, she thought that Melba had just been late and that's why she hadn't been at oh, having tea with them. Zoinks! But it was because she had not been invited to tea.
0: That is crap.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Look, Melba, that sucks. <laughs>
1: yes, it does.
0: Also Lord Grantham what are you going to talk about with Melba? I don't know. Ask her if she knows any good songs. <laughs> right.
1: Possibly something to do with singing. Be like, might oh, be the way so to go. So you're there. from
0: Australia. What is that like?
1: Have you ever boxed a kangaroo?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's uh they all have to.
1: Right. She was like, well, in sixth form of course, mm-hmm. but
0: <laughs> not since then. <laughs> it's considered a bit gauche. <laughs>
1: But down in the kitchen, Patmore is running around. Ivy is screwing something up. Big shock there. Uh, and so Patmore takes over for her and kind of pushes out of the way. Daisy says that we can do this, but Patmore says, what, with Ivy slapping around like a trained seal?
0: <laughs> I hate Ivy. <laughs> That's right. See, this is great because we didn't like it when Mrs. Patmore would, like, baselessly be mean to Daisy. Right. But now that she's got Ivy to kick around and we hate Ivy,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm down with this. This no. is great. I'm like, Psh. She used to be slapping around like an untrained seal. <laughs> <laughs> Tom one, <laughs> Ivy zero. <laughs> uh, so Patmore is is pointing out to the Al- to Alfred which meals for the Duchess, uh, and then clutches at her chest and she says she has a pain in her chest like a vice. Uh, so Daisy takes over the situation. She, she sends Ivy off to get Missus Hughes and tells Alfred to help her get Patmore to a chair. Patmore is worried about the dinner. She still hasn't made the vegetable or the bechamel sauce or the dill sauce for the salmon. And Alfred says that he can do it. Uh, Then Ivy comes in and says that Madge, mystery maid alert, uh, has rung for the doctor. Carson comes in and says, what is going on? Which is what he says every time he enters a room. Mm -hmm. And Hughes, I think... Or somebody, maybe Ivy says that uh, Alfred is making the sauces, and Mrs. Patmore is having a heart attack, which Carson humorously misunderstands to think that she is having a metaphorical heart attack because a footman is making sauces. But no, he's she's actually having a heart attack. Uh, Then Carson also hears the screaming from down the hall of the uh, the racing demon action
0: up at the dinner table the dowager countess is glad to see molesley and she says they can't keep a good man down and molesley says uh i beg your pardon my lady but they absolutely can and carson hears this and is shocked yeah so molesley again mugs and you know i just assume he's getting paid every time his face changes expressions like he found some old jim carrey contract and he was like this is how i'll make my money on Townton Abbey." Gregson informs Edith he's going to slip away to the poker table later, and Edith is surprised, but before Gregson can explain, it's time to turn, which doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Well, yeah, well, it's because otherwise it, it, you know, I'm not sure how exactly who sets the tone on that, but it's basically making sure that you talk to the people on each side of you an equal amount, and it makes sure that nobody finds themselves sitting with the person on their left talking Like facing away And the person on the right Facing away
0: Oh I'm sorry I thought he was saying It was like time To turn the tables No Okay No
1: it was saying It's all time He was
0: literally saying Yeah
1: literally time To turn around And talk to the person On the other side Okay Yeah
0: So uh LG's turn takes him To Nellie Melba And he apologizes And hopes she didn't Feel abandoned She is very classy Yes she is And compliments The claret that they're having And she Without any prompting ID's it as a Hot Brion. Yes And Lord Grantham asks If she read it on the menu Because of course He's accepted that women can read, but (laughs) not that they can use that ability to uh, explore the world around them and improve themselves. Right. Did you read that on the menu? Did your
1: father tell you (laughs) (laughs) that?
0: (laughs) Grandfather? (laughs) Grandfather? (laughs) <laughs> or maybe a policeman. <laughs> right. Uh, she said she didn't need to. She has made quite a study of Claret. And Lord Grantham says that this is going to be less uphill than he thought, which is a bit... Uh, it's a bit much even for Lord Grantham. Yeah, to like. say that
1: right to her face. I mean, because, you know, he's got many problems, but, uh, you know, he knows what politeness is. Yeah, he is. can like, talk
0: to a stranger. He's yeah, not like, a member of his immediate family. <laughs> right.
1: Anyway, elsewhere at the table... Mary's talking to Gilly, says that she's going to be ringing the tax people tomorrow and that Tom is going to come with her. Uh, Gilly says that he doesn't think she needs his help, but he volunteers it if she wants. And he then asks if he can take her out when she is in London. Mary says that she doesn't think Miss Lane Fox would approve.
0: But what would Grilly think?
1: Uh, I don't think Grilly would approve either, quite frankly. Grilly's got her heart set on Foxingham. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Tom won, <laughs> Kelly won. <laughs> <laughs> Counting against our will
1: laughter. <laughs> right. Um Yes, and Mary says that she herself would not approve of being taken out by him, but it does give her quite a lift to hear that he wants to, and she laughs adorably. Um <laughs> <laughs> love
0: her. I do. You want to marry her. I do. You want to build a time machine. That also goes into fiction. (laughs) Yes. So some Tuesday next scenario, and you want to marry Lady Mary.
1: I think that'd be great.
0: I don't really blame you. (laughs) Right. I, you know what? Honestly, if you can figure it out,
1: you should go for it. Yeah, okay. A lot of research to do on this particular project. Yeah,
0: you are pretty lazy.
1: (laughs) That is true. Anyway, across the table, Isabel overhears this conversation and is just kind of just staring into space. Yeah. Like depressed. Uh, Tom asks, what's, is, is something the matter? And she says that, no, if there is something to the matter, there shouldn't be. And that, you know, uh, Tom says that he hasn't heard Mary laugh since it happened. And Isabel says that she doesn't want Mary to live her life in sorrow. She's not the lady of Shalott.
0: There's a lot of literary references in this episode. There
1: are. Julian uh,
0: Fellows must have lost a bet. <laughs> Down at White's. That's right.
1: <laughs> I wonder if he's in White's. That's a good question. I, I think it may be too exclusive for Yeah, him.
0: maybe he was just saying. Although,
1: that. one member, I, when I was just scrolling through the list, that, whose name I recognized. Hugh Grant? No, because he, he died last week, and which is the first time I'd really heard of him, but uh, Run Run Shaw, who was... Run Run? Yeah, Run Run Shaw, who's uh, from Hong Kong. Okay. And he basically invented the genre of like Kung Fu martial arts movies. Wow. Yeah. And he's like, you know, Quentin Tarantino puts little references to him in mm-hmm. all the time and, and other people like that. Like he completely Hong Kong cinema was founded by Run Run Sean, mm-hmm. his brother. Um and he was a member of Whites, as it turns okay. out. Uh, Anyway, but Isabel says that um, she can't join in the merrymaking. Tom says that they're not all making merry.
0: Yeah, my wife is dead. That's still totally a thing. I know that (laughs) nobody else seems to care anymore.
1: Right. They don't. It wasn't even before the war.
0: It was well after.
1: (laughs) In any case, uh, Isabel says that the thing is that Lord Gillingham and Sir Bullock and even Tom himself, they're all still alive and her son is dead. Um, and Tom reaches under the table and I, I guess squeezes her hand, presumably, or something like that. Yeah, would
0: Even after the war, quite gauche to, uh, squeeze the leg of a woman. I su- that, that makes Particularly sense. Particularly but... your something-in-law.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but in any case, a supportive gesture and, uh, the Dowager Countess kind of exchanges a look with Branson.
0: Remember when Branson was a journalist?
1: <laughs> Heck, I remember when Branson had a baby
0: who <laughs> uh down in the servants hall I, there's... Had,
1: I had literally forgotten that he was a journalist <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're uh not only are we recapping we're just cliffs noting
1: <laughs> everything that's happened yes
0: back down in the servants dining hall there's more cards madness <laughs> bates comes in and calls out anna in quite ill temper yeah uh, and asks if she was so involved in her game that she was unaware that Mrs. Patmore had been taken ill. And just...
1: Yeah. Like, just, you know,
0: Edna's the witch. Right. Like, be mean to her. Yeah. She probably caused it.
1: Yeah. And it just doesn't make any sense. You're basically saying no one should ever have any fun in case something bad happens while you're having fun.
0: Have you met Mr. Bates? <sighs> Yes. See, anyway,
1: Yeah,
0: Anna asks what sort of ill, and Bates says, ill enough to make this racket inappropriate. So they stop. Braithwaite says she was going to win. Green agrees, and then Braithwaite said it's a good omen for something she won't reveal. So right. I assume she's working on a voodoo doll. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's good. good thinking. Yeah.
0: She's been collecting hair from every person <laughs> in the house <laughs> to make a hair wreath.
1: Or somehow, maybe she's collecting cards from everybody's deck and she can (gasps) do a little scrying or something like that. (laughs) Uh, So Anna goes out in the hall and asks Bates why he's being such a dick um, and that she was only having fun. And then Mr. Green, like, pointedly, like, walks all the way up to them just to say that I'll leave you to it and walks off and, you know, like, just inserts himself into there. Yeah. Uh, Anna, however, pointedly turns away from Bates and thanks Green for organizing the game and says that it was fun and then she walks off in mrs.
0: Hughes's parlor which is where Mrs. Patmore is convalescing mm-hmm. uh, Anna comes in and Dr. Clarkson says that Mrs. Patmore will live and he thinks it was brought on by anxiety right. like thanks idiots <laughs> right. what do they pay you for? <laughs> Clarkson they haven't says they have paid
1: me in 20. Years. They
0: probably have not actually. <laughs> Dr. Clarkson says that uh Mrs. Patmore mustn't let herself be overpowered and she still wants to listen to Dame Nelly and Carson says yes. Clarkson says right. yes, but she must put her feet up once they've left in the morning. Then Anna invites Dr. Clarkson to stay for the concert, and he immediately accepts, like, yes. this is the only reason I came. <laughs> You're like, Mrs. Patmore's having a heart attack. Like, I don't believe that, but I want to hear this dame Nelly. <laughs> right. Uh, Carson sighs and continues to complain about the topsy-turvy world that they're living in that's so different than before the war. <laughs> Oh so different uh-huh. Then Mrs. Patmore tells him To not forget that the kitchen maids Will be in the great hall Listening to opera And more power to their elbow And Carson just kind of grumps off right. But Mrs. Hughes basically fist bumps <laughs> right. Mrs. Patmore for saying that yeah. the, uh, the post-World War I equivalent Of a fist bump <laughs> Which is just a very significant gaze And a nod <laughs> right. In case you want to try this at home
1: <laughs> In case you've invented a time machine That goes into fiction and you you might. this kind of knowledge, yeah. Or
0: a time machine that goes into the real past.
1: Oh, that's true as that's well. That's a
0: skill that transcends.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lord Grantham walks into the library and pours himself a drink. Not his first of the evening. Oh, my. Uh, Tom is kind of hiding out in the library, which those of us who hide out in rooms during parties, you know, we all know what's up.
0: And are all named Tom.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he says he's that he's afraid that he's let Lord Grantham down, uh, that... Since Sybil died, they've all allowed him to believe that he was one of them. Lord Grantham says that he is one of them, and Tom says not when they're among their own people. Lord Grantham asks, you know, what is, something's upset you. Was it the Duchess? Don't worry about her.
0: <laughs> She's just a common criminal. <laughs> well, right. She upsets- the, only, the only reason we invite her down is because if we don't, she'll rob us blind.
1: <laughs> she upsets everyone whenever they let her out of Arkham. <laughs> Arkham (laughs) Uh, But Tom says that the the past few days have shown Him that he doesn't belong here Lord Grantham Says I don't accept that and Cora Certainly won't either which is very true Uh, Then he says But we must go now or we'll get stick And he walks off and I mean he's definitely Tipsy Mm -hmm. which is in in a way That I haven't seen Lord Grantham before so Good work Hugh Bonneville
0: well you know it's After the war (laughs)
1: Uh, And as, as He goes Tom says to himself do any of Them ever leave school no. Yeah, they. Re- I mean, they really. That's don't.
0: literally the entire point of the landed nobility.
1: And I mean, and it's the entire point of the schools they go to. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how you will be forever.
0: In the great hall, Melba's singing. Uh, Dvorak. Vorjak. Vorjak.
1: Yeah. Man, composers. I don't know. He's like.
0: What say it Hungarian again?
1: Hungarian or something? Vorjak.
0: Vorjak. Okay uh songs my mother taught me yes uh apparently Tom, yeah i looked it up Tom that's, looked it up. That's i it don't know any of this but right. uh, samson clears his throat and gregson tells edith he's sneaking off she still doesn't understand what he's doing and he says he will or he says that she will and uh how rude is this somebody definitely wrote us a telegram that was like what is up with these assholes yeah they've paid this woman insane amounts of money and you've got to think you know, they'll be bragging about it back in London.
1: I I don't know. I mean, I will say, I mean, I feel like the fact that it's a private performance kind of cuts both ways, because on the one hand, it seems more rude. But on the other hand, the whole point of having a private performance is you can kind of do whatever you feel like. Yeah, that's true. I don't know
0: at any rate uh Alfred is sitting next to Mrs. Patmore and hoping that uh he didn't let her down with the sauces and Mr. Carson told her that uh they gobbled it down and Alfred wants to be a cook again. Oh, so yeah. hey, great. So that, yeah, that's, we were just asking yeah. and ask and like maybe one of the things you asked about <laughs> will
1: be addressed. Right. We'll uh, see if it comes up again this season. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So Anna tells Bates that she's got a bit of a headache and blames it on the shouting in the game, which she'll thank him not to comment. And yes. she smiles, so it seems like they're mending fences a bit here. Yeah. And she says she'll pop down to get something. And then the song ends, and Melba announces that she will be singing O Mew Babino Caro by Puccini from Johnny
1: Skicci? Shichi? Skicci? I'm not going to
0: try and pronounce it. I'll get stick. <laughs> Carson uh, nods approvingly. Well, he choice. would, you know, yeah. you'd think, I mean, even if he was just in the music halls, he would be aware. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, true. the way that, you know, uh, stand-up comedians are aware of movies. I don't know where uh, I'm going with this, but yeah. just, you know. But
1: no, that, that, that's a good point.
0: Um, she is dedicating it to love and lovers, nodding to Mcgee and LG, who look like they don't hate each other, which is ridiculous. <laughs> the Dowager Countess is glad because she was worried they were in for that dreadful German leader, and you can always rely on Puccini uh isabel prefers bartok uh who i was like you mean the the bat in anastasia the animated <laughs> movie
1: <laughs> everybody prefers that bartok
0: it's a really great movie yeah uh i mean except for the fact that it's completely historically inaccurate but look <laughs> it's got john cusack doing voice work opposite meg ryan like come on yeah anyway and hank azaria voices bartok <laughs> kelsey Grammer's in it is that fat guy <laughs> ah and angela lansbury is like the grandmother anyway look I think this is not the first time (laughs) that I have said that exact thing on this podcast. The Dowager Count is unsurprised that Isabel prefers Bartok because, you know, what a crazy pair.
1: (laughs) Right. So, I mean, it's nice to see them doing that again. I guess because I I know that Bartok's deal was he kind of brought um, folk music into classical music, Mm -hmm. but he only ever wrote one opera and it was about Bluebeard. So, I don't know
0: book maybe he wrote some other stuff yeah i don't know well because if he wrote songs just one-off songs yeah or so, you know and he may have written you know the music and then someone might have then later that's true put yeah uh lyrics on top of it yeah. so
1: anyway yeah there we go uh in the smoking room samson smugly announces that he has got a straight to the six but gregson lays down a flush
0: oh snap it yeah. is time to turn yeah
1: samson says that he doesn't understand uh, and Which is
0: a really transparent way of letting everyone know that you've been cheating. Right. It is.
1: I mean I'll say this. It seemed pretty clear to me that Gillingham was knew that Sampson uh-huh. was cheating. But then why would you wager such large sums of money? Well, I mean I think I think Gillingham, you know, figured it out, you know, late in the evening. Yeah. But Well, either way. At least after a day's reflection, he seemed to know yeah. in any case. You know, Bullock says, what are you trying to get out of paying up? And Samson, of course, is like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll pay. And Gregson gives, gives him a little eyebrow waggle.
0: Okay, everybody. Yes. It's all been fun. Right. And now the fun is going to be intermittent. Yes. So, in the kitchen, Anna pours some powder from the first aid kit into a glass of water. Green walks in, offers her something stronger, and shows her his flask. She says not to let Mr. Carson see him with that and turns it down because Anna, uh, is not into that scene. That's right. Green says she must be, uh, sick of hearing a grown woman screech like a cat in a bonfire. And Anna says that's very naughty. Uh, and she thinks that Dame Melba has a beautiful voice in her Anna way that says, it's not my thing, right? but like, whatever. She's like famous and rich. So she (laughs) starts to leave, but Green blocks her and she asks him to let her pass. Green says she looks like she could use a bit of real fun for once. She says she wants to go back upstairs and Green doesn't believe that sad old cripple keeps you happy. Uh, cause he's clearly been watching this episode. Yeah. Uh, but Anna drawing on the fact that she's been in this relationship, (laughs) says that he does, as a matter of fact, and asks again to leave. Green says that she must have just forgotten what she's missing, grabs her, and violently kisses her. She's struggling to get away, and then he punches her. Yeah. Like, just cold clocks her. And as we said before, that is when you know we are in for something very upsetting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, from the scene from the beginning, like, as soon as he stands up and gets in her way, Mm -hmm. you know that it's not. it's going to be something not good. Mm -hmm. But that, yeah. Um, Upstairs, Melba is still singing, uh, and everybody is watching rapturously and enjoying it. Downstairs, Green shoves Anna into a room down the hall. I couldn't really tell what the room was as she is struggling and screaming. Uh, We cut back upstairs for a minute to the singing and see everybody continuing to appreciate it. Uh, And then back downstairs, it's just a shot of the hallway like from the other end of the hallway towards the room that they're in, and just Anna screaming and from it's a extremely distance. chilling. Yeah, it's very chilling and very very effectively done. I I mean, I really gotta hand them t- hand it to them for you know, without being explicit, but still getting the impact across. Well, I and mean, the other
0: thing that I thought was interesting. This is like such a technical thing that I noticed, mm-hmm. but it was like. When Anna was screaming in the room, we couldn't see her. She was screaming at the same pitch hmm. as then when they cut back up to Dame Nelly, mm-hmm. and I thought that was interesting. And yeah, like I mean, well,
1: and I'll say this too: what I thought the first time we watched it was that the singing kept going underneath the scenes downstairs. Mm-hmm. But when I watched it this time, it didn't.
0: No, it doesn't.
1: Yeah, and I, it's just sort of. And, and that I think that's part of it, is what you were saying. No, it's like
0: the, an underwater shot, almost, like the effect. Yeah. Because like yeah. you have all this soaring thing going on upstairs, and you cut downstairs, and it's all muffled and yeah. behind this door. And yeah. like you're like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah. And then so it, it cuts back upstairs, and Bates says to Hughes that he wonders what Anna is doing and thinks that maybe she's fallen asleep. Uh, Hughes jokes that she wouldn't get much sleep up there.
0: I do enjoy everyone's casual disdain <laughs> for opera. <laughs> right. Extra, extra! World's greatest opera sucks!
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, not everyone's, though. uh You know, certainly Carson's really into it. And as the song ends, Mary is just like. Yeah. Transfixed. Well, it's like
0: when Mrs. Selfridge got to see Pavlova exactly, dance. Exactly,
1: exactly like that, yeah um and as the song ends hughes sees green walk in uh buttoning his jacket
0: which again button the jacket before you get inside
1: right like we're not trying to help out rapists we
0: yeah make that very clear we're not into helping rapists (laughs) right if you're a rapist we will work to actively thwart you that is correct in the smoking room uh, Bullock and some other dude say that they're both even so they leave the table to Gregson and Samson and uh, Samson asks if Gregson will take an IOU but Gregson asks instead for everyone else's IOU and he'll take a check for the rest and Samson is hesitant but Gregson threatens to tell Lord Grantham about his cheating ways <laughs> so Samson gives in writes him this IOU and tells him he's just a thief like him yeah
1: actually I wrote that down wrong he said you're just a cheat like oh, me oh okay a yeah. cheat
0: but Gregson says he's lived a checkered life, uh, pointing to more heartbreak for Edith, I right. would think, and that Robin Hood was just a thief. But Samson points out that Gregson is stealing from the poor and giving to the rich, which he kind of heard of the poor. Well, yeah. But I guess if you're trying to get in with the rich, that's what you do.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, A, Samson's like not poor, poor. He was than the super yeah. rich people. And also he was stealing money. Like, yeah. You know.
0: Anyway, Gregson says that there is some pleasure in having one against a card sharp.
1: Yeah, which is true. Like if you haven't busted out your card sharping in, in years. Yeah, it's like who you're... watches
0: the Watchmen, you know?
1: <laughs> right. And then, you know, it's, it's just like riding a bicycle. Cheating at poker. <laughs> Uh, at the front door, Lord Grantham is uh, seeing people out, and he tells Isabel that he's so pleased that she came, and she says that she's also pleased, and she was she was wrong to hesitate, um, but that guilt makes her do strange things, or makes people do strange things. Uh, the Dowager Countess says that's not true with her. Guilt has never played a major part in my life. And Lord Grantham says, "Amen to that." And
0: then the Dowager Countess pulls out a samurai sword and just <laughs> slits him on the diagonal. Right, and that was the end of Lord Grantham.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just odd too. I mean, it, because like the Dowager Countess had this reputation like ten years ago of being like a real bitch, basically. Yeah. But she really hasn't been hardly ever. Like yeah. she'll she's you know kind of catty or whatever. Yeah. But... I mean,
0: she's tough, but. Anyway, well, look, Lord Grantham is
1: a baby. That is
0: true. hate him. Yes. In the front hall, Gregson hands over the IOUs that he won back to their original owners, and he says he won it fair and square, uh, in a manner of speaking, I suppose. (laughs) Gilly is skeptical, uh, as was I. And says, then Gregson says, well, I won it anyway. So Lord Grantham stupidly tries to turn (laughs) down the money. Again,
1: uh, this guy. Well, I think... Well, you have to make a show. I think everybody knew that he was going, that Gregson wasn't going to let him turn it down.
0: Yeah. But he insists. He says it's a better way to end the house party. And Edith comes by from nowhere, and it's just like, how did it go? (laughs) Like, I don't understand what's going on. But Lord Grantham says that uh, Gregson has saved his bacon, but not to tell McGee. I think Edith should run straight back because I have a feeling McGee has been like girls. If your father implies that he's involving my money in some sort of harebrained <laughs> scheme, I want you to tell
1: me. Yeah, that's McGee's bacon, too. Yeah. Like.
0: She brought the bacon. <laughs> right. She's the f- fucking primary breadwinner as far as this thing is concerned. <laughs> anyway, Edith asks Gregson what happened, and he says he's revived a dubious talent from his checkered past. Yeah. And I'm like, ugh, I'm so tired of hearing about this. Right.
1: It turns out he's just a riverboat gambler from Mississippi. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) Well, I am. (laughs) I feel like I was brought into this marriage under false (laughs) pretenses.
1: That's uh, gambling for you. So Lord Grantham tells Gilly what a surprise that was to not have lost all of his money. Uh, (laughs) Which, right? Uh, Gilly says that the weekend has been full of surprises and that he has... Very pleased that he came. Uh, Lord Grantham said that that he is pleased as well, and they both know what they mean.
0: Tom's all tuckered out by the staircase. It's been a big day for him. Uh, Braithwaite brings him a drink, which is probably two parts whiskey, one part I have newt. (laughs) Tom says that it's huge, and Edna says he might need it. I saw that drink. That's not huge, even for whiskey. (laughs) Uh, Tom says, You understand me, don't you, Edna? And uh, he's not an alien being to her the way that he is to all those rich people. And uh, she says, yes, yeah, she does understand him. Insofar like...
1: as I can understand your mortal kind.
0: <laughs> yeah, she gets very Miss of Avalon. <laughs> we can have literary references to Baron Fellows. <laughs> Tom says he's never felt more lonely than he has these last few days. I kind of, like, even when Sybil died, also, where's your baby? Right. But also, I, I can also see how, you know, it's been X amount of time since Sybil died, and instead of grieving, right? now it's just the loneliness hitting him and the fact that he's really out of his element here. Right.
1: And just that if Sybil was alive, he would have had no problem with this party. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think he still would well, I mean, no, He was no,
1: pretty whiny. No problem is overstating it, but he would have felt okay with mm-hmm. it. Sybil would have been with him. and She like,
0: would have made yeah. things
1: smoother. Yeah.
0: So Edna tells him to take the drink to his room, drink it down, sleep it off, and everyone will be gone in the morning. And that sounds good to Tom. He goes off to do that, and that was the last we ever saw of Edna.
1: Right. <sighs> uh, Downstairs. Hughes walks into her parlor and turns the light on and Anna is there and begs her to close the door. Uh, and she is cowering essentially in a corner and she is just completely undone. Like whatever you can think of the word undone meaning for somebody, that's her, her hair is all over the place and she's just, her her
0: dress has been ripped.
1: Yeah. And she's just in, you know, in shock or whatever, like, like how you would be. And, and, uh, she asks Hughes to find her some clothes and to see the see Lady Mary and tell her that, that she had a headache or something. And Hughes says, yes, I, of course I can see, I can handle Lady Mary, but we must tell somebody. And Anna says, no, they can't tell anybody. And Hughes says, but you have to tell Mr. Bates. And she says, him least of all, because if he found out, he would kill the man that did this, and then they'd hang him. Um, you know, that he's already been convicted once. They would never let him go a second time. Hughes then says that maybe the doctor's still there and turns to go, but Anna grabs her and says that she only told Hughes because she needed her help and she can't tell anybody else and she has to promise not to tell anybody else. Can only, they can—they're the only two that can ever know. So Hughes, you know, nods and and says that okay, and she she goes off to fetch her water and a comb and whatever she can find for a dress for her. Uh, and Anna just collapses back into the corner and is weeping. And
0: One thing I wonder so we've talked about this doctor patient confidentiality was a thing.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Because couldn't Mrs. Hughes have just seen, gone to see if the doctor was there? Just because I'm just thinking in terms of I know that they're going to have some stupid pregnancy thing. I just. <sighs> oh! Anyway.
1: I don't feel that way at all. But... I
0: really feel that way. But anyway, uh, thinking of our friend Sylvia from Seabatch in the gang yes uh because if dr clarkson was still there mrs hughes could have just been like anna had a headache can you come down and see her and then have anna be like p.s that's not really what happened mm-hmm. can i get one of those contraceptive douches i've heard so much about right anyway logistics yeah. i'm just compartmentalizing so i don't have
1: to think about what just happened yeah um but yeah
0: but i mean look both joanna froggit and phyllis logan just yeah. knock it out of the park yeah yeah. best acted scene possibly they've ever done
1: yeah uh, agreed
0: Braithwaite is helping McG undress and uh, Lord Grantham comes in McG asks if he enjoyed his evening he says that he did uh, McG is lounging on her chaise long, <laughs> and she's making fun of him about talking to a singer and he says she always makes him out to be so narrow-minded but he liked her and I'm like but you are narrow-minded right
1: like, but that's, and you had said something about this earlier. He doesn't think he is. He that's thinks true. he is a liberal dude. Yeah. You know,
0: well, in the sense that you can be a Tory
1: and a liberal. <laughs> right.
0: McGee says uh, he liked her because she appreciated his wine uh, correctly. Right. And then she asks if he has formed an opinion about Gregson. Lord Grantham says he's not sure that that's. What they wanted for Edith, but it's a changing world and he's a decent cove. And McGee uh, is shocked by his Damascene conversion <laughs> and asks what happened, uh, if he said something, but Lord Grantham simply leaves it at he behaved rather gentlemanly.
1: Yeah. Edna sneaks around through an upstairs hallway, then opens, presumably, Tom's door, asks if he's awake. And heads in. She
0: runs through there like a very poorly trained, like special forces <laughs> soldier who's right. been separated in the in you know the middle of nowhere.
1: Right. Yeah. She's
0: just. She's like ah ah ah, and, and like with, running backwards and, for a ha. step.
1: And yeah, yeah it's just yeah. ugh, it's yeah. awful.
0: like, it's right up there with Molesley. Like Molesley was supposed <laughs> to, to shoot that, but instead they had. Really, it should be Molesley sneaking into that room. Uh, no, anyway, but, and, yeah, and, and people have asked about the consent on this as well, and we are reserving judgment until we find out what actually happened
1: happened. uh
0: i mean look she's out of bounds right either way yeah you know she's out you know her whole character's out of bounds. (laughs) right um but it's not clear exactly what kind of action she's taking so
1: yeah so we'll we'll see how that turns out i just like to think that she she goes up it's like are you awake i need to borrow your soul (laughs)
0: downstairs bates is walking down the hall when anna comes out of mrs hughes's parlor he asks what happened to her and she uh because she's got
1: uh, yeah where
0: she's been punched right. uh she's got marks yeah. on her face and yeah. she says she was taking a powder for her headache uh and she must have fainted and hit her head on the sink and she says stupid and it's just yeah awful yeah bates notices that she's changed her dress all of a sudden nice bates is back yeah i mean all of a sudden he's not a dick anymore but yeah. Anna says that her dress was badly marked and she's, she's put it into soak, but she doesn't think she'll be able to save the dress down the hall. Uh, green says goodnight to both of them and thanks them for looking after him. Bates says goodnight. And after hesitating, Anna also says goodbye. Yeah green heads off and then bates reaches out for anna but she pulls away and says nothing's the matter she just wants to walk on her own she grabs her hat and coat and she walks out the door and then outside we see her walking away crying and the door opens behind her and bates calls after her but she just keeps walking yeah and that's the end of the most brutal hour of television we have potentially ever watched
1: yeah indeed and you know it's like We've maybe seen more brutal things, but they were in more brutal shows. Yeah. Um, And, you know, again, just that we were completely did not know that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, Just. Yeah, it was really tough. But hey,
0: nobody (laughs) cried this time. That's right. So, you know, you're welcome. We tried. Yeah. So, yeah, on that bummer of a note. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That brings us to uh, the Abbey Awards.
1: That it does. Uh, So first off, we've got our award for the best evasion.
0: That would be Jimmy Kent evading his duties as footman.
1: Right. With a phantom wrist injury.
0: (laughs) Next, we have best overbite, which goes to... The Duchess. (laughs) (laughs) It's her overbite that lulls you into a false (laughs) sense of security. (laughs)
1: Next up, we have got our the award for worst decision.
0: Uh Mr. Green because rape is always the worst decision.
1: That is correct. Yeah. On a
0: lighter note, yes. Gibson girl mm-hmm. goes to Mary. Yeah. yeah she's you know, uh she seems to be pulling herself out of her, you know, goth princess Leia phase <laughs> and uh yeah. Moving back towards some very delightful frocks, sticking to purple and black. Right. Uh, which again, there was a telegram that said something about purple being, you know, kind of half morning, hmm. uh, not half morning, but just, you know, that was like the progression uh-huh. when Anna tried to get her to wear a purple shawl. Uh, uh okay. you know, purple is like a little, you know, it's like when you put a uh, bleach on something black and it turns
1: purple. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: Um, But, yeah, and just she has that great headband out again uh, that she wore when she got married. Yeah. You'd think that would would bother her more than the gramophone. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You would. Uh, She looked good writing. Not as good as she looked in the writing in the first season. Well, she was
0: 10 years younger.
1: That's true. Which brings us to the Fashion Backwards Award for Backwards Fashion, a.k.a. the backy.
0: Oh, my God, (laughs) Mcgee! What, what, what are you wearing? Just this whole episode. Yeah. She got some great, you know jabs in right but just she was wearing like you know that mustard brown and like a peach colored thing and a blue thing just none of them were her colors so McGee, get your shit together
1: yeah but uh keep a firm grip on Lord Grantham. Grantham next we have our award for a cutest baby we're gonna go ahead and give that one to Sir John Bullock
0: yes what a what a young person what a tyke (laughs) Uh, and then finally the Maggie Smith scale of Maggie Smith's Mm -hmm. We are going to give Mags a three on this episode. We felt, yeah. you know, she had some bon mots. Some of them were kind of weak. Yeah. Again, better than everyone else in the show, <laughs> except for Anna. Right. Who we have named honorary recipient. Yeah. Of five Maggie Smiths. That's right. Uh, Probably the first and last time that yeah. will ever happen. We don't,
1: we don't expect this to be. that. We're not thing, taking this lightly. Okay. Yeah. okay? We're not yeah. trying to dilute. Right.
0: Or maybe she just gets one Maggie Smith.
1: Hmm.
0: I think that's more appropriate. That is more appropriate. So we're I think. Our, look, she gets one Maggie Smith right for this episode yeah good i feel good about this excellent i feel like we've preserved the integrity exactly of the, yeah yeah of this completely real award that matters <laughs>
1: right listen Maggie smith is listening to this right now <laughs> Thank you. That, was, that was worth four come on <laughs>
0: <laughs> she didn't even watch the show why would she listen to
1: this recap <laughs>
0: Before we go, I do want to thank – I don't know how this thing happened because I'm not on Reddit, but I did find out this week that uh, Up Yours Downstairs is the official podcast of the Downton Abbey subreddit, uh, which is cool. They seem like they have a great community going there.
1: Yeah. Uh, They call
0: them servants over there, and uh, individuals are lords and ladies, which we feel is not as good as cousins because we're not really into the class (laughs) distinction with all of you, but whatever. Yeah, but you know, feel free to check that out. It looks like there's some very good discussions. I can't speak to the appropriateness right. of all of them, but in general, Downton Abbey fans are pretty chilled out. Yeah, you know, yeah, like the people who watch The Walking Dead aren't necessarily watching Downton Abbey. That I would you know? assume is. The I don't case. know. Uh, yeah, but that's it for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very excited uh, to see what happens next.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I. I You know, we do still wonder how it will be handled. But the more I thought about it, the more I saw that there's at least a lot of interesting stuff that this does bring into play. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: and if Mrs. Hughes is the only one who knows. Right. We're at least going to have, you know, Phyllis Logan in a storyline that isn't completely devoid of meaning. Right.
1: And, you know, and then the fact that Mary is clearly going to be seeing more Mm -hmm. of Gillingham. So that means
0: uh, green will be skulking around below stairs, which is going to be bad news for Anna.
1: Yeah. So so we will see. We'll see what happens.
0: So uh, that brings us to a close. Until next time, up Up yours yours downstairs, downstairs, luncheon out.